So it's me. Yeah. All right. Let me know when you want. Sold American. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 10th anniversary uh, Sneakaganza uh, episode of Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. That was actually last week was the... Well, it's in between. No, no. Was it last week? Yeah. Wow. Because we, we, the thing is, I was going to... All right, fuck it then. I actually took... Anyway, <laughs> this week is nothing. This week is dirt. It's nothing. You <laughs> know what? Week. Listen, if you listen to this episode, <laughs> yeah. you're a fool. Just a goddamn fool. It's a waste of your time. Listen to last week again. Did you introduce yourself, by the way? I'm David Dedrick. That's David Dedrick. I'm Ian Boothby. Okay. And anyway, last week was our special uh, thing. Yeah. We yeah. had surprises planned for this one. Lots sure. of guest stars. Yeah. We had lots of giveaways. We had a we have um, a Kia. We had a Kia to give away. Yeah, we had a Kia to give away, but now we're just going to set it on fire. <laughs> so forget that. That famous song, I've got a brand new roller skate and you've got a brand new Kia. Hmm. You know, that wouldn't have been bad when yeah. Kias were a thing. Yeah. They're still a thing. <laughs> yeah, but they were like more of a like, oh, Kia. Like oh, it was okay. enough of a, ooh. Oh, that okay. When they had the first Canadian Comedy Awards, uh, it was sponsored by Kia. And everyone was like, wow, you got Kia. Pretty good. I bet these awards really? are going to be around for a while. They're no longer around. Okay, well, let me celebrate yeah. this then. Okay, you want to you just kick me off my 10th anniversary <laughs> pedestal? <laughs> yeah, well, I got, a se- I, I got a second anniversary I can celebrate. Okay, sure, sure. This day yeah, yeah. is the 21st anniversary of my first date with my wife. Oh, nice. So there. That's a, that, that is a date to celebrate. Yeah, and within about a week, I'd fallen in love with her. So, you know, that's okay. coming up very shortly. We'll celebrate yeah. that next week. Not enough so that we spent New Year's together. We didn't spend New Year's together because she had plans. But <laughs> okay. every New Year since that time, yeah. yes. Yeah. So there. Well, that's, that's good. That's All right, great. but back to your, uh, your uh, pissing on my whole anniversary. Well, no, it's kind of funny because last week, you were we, Chris wrote to us last week. Chris Roberts with his Chris delightful um, video he sent. Yes. Uh, a reimagining of the Sneaky Dragon Fly song that he wrote uh, with video yes, imagery. Yes, with, um, with uh, mucho more instrumentation and background voices and stuff like that. Beautiful. I think. The, very, the original very one was touchy. kind of, yeah, it was more like his demo version. And he said at the time, this is a demo version. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this, I'm going to you know, fill it out a bit. He did it in a gazebo. It took him, it took him a while, but he got it done. Just, but you know what? To be fair... It took us 10 years to get to our 10-year anniversary, so we're ones to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of people get there like much faster. We took 10 years to yep. get to our 10th. But you were, I think you were looking at your, your watch your, or your calendar okay. for that day, and you were like, oh, we're not there yet. Well, but what you were, it said here that it's, uh, let's see, what, what, what did I say? It was November, or it was uh, December the 12th that it, that it, it, remember that it dropped that our first, our first, yeah, episode, yeah, came out on. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. I got, I got our first episode is December twelfth, two thousand and eleven. And so last week's show dropped on December the eleventh, two thousand twenty-one. You can't get any closer than that. It's oh, but that, it's not. It wasn't yet. It, it still it, wasn't. No, no, no. It was because you were looking on Thursday, forgetting that we also recorded the original show on Thursday, and it came out on Saturday, and we recorded. Oh, are we the, counting the anniversary from the date we recorded or the date it dropped? The date it dropped, just the same way that that was the date it dropped. We had recorded it two days before on the Thursday, and it came out on it came out on on Saturday on the 11, on the twelfth. 
just the same way we recorded the last show on the 9th and it came out on the 11th. Okay. So, and we celebrated it by doing nothing. Okay. So it was very, <laughs> very Canadian celebration. Well, you know, we, we celebrated, we had a big celebration for the 500th, right? 500th episode. Okay. You know, so it's hard to like then like 21 episodes later go, woohoo, or 23 episodes later go, woohoo. Right. Our 500th one was when we came back and went just like, hey, COVID's over. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Remember when COVID was over? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, boy. We're so tired uh, of it. I know. It was so, uh, so uh, annoyingly uh, tiring to have uh, that. Yeah. And thank goodness that was the last we ever heard of COVID. I don't, <laughs> I don't even... It's weird when people bring it up and I go like, oh, yeah, remember that? When that happened? That thing? Ugh. But COVID uh, happened? Oh, boy. We're still... Yeah, we're still... We're well, still there. I, I'm optimistic. We're very soon. We haven't quite yet, but we're buying our tickets to go to England in March. So right. I'm optimistic... Sure. We'll not be at Epsilon Gamma by that point. Yeah. Or whatever whatever the number is. Yeah, we're going to uh we're going to a friend's house next week. You're part of that. Mm-hmm. So that's probably okay. And then <laughs> um and then yeah, I'm, I'm inviting uh members of the close family over for Christmas and I'm cooking Christmas uh, yeah. dinner yeah. and that might be okay. Do- Dr. Bonnie recommended I was listening to, I couldn't help but listen to, to her press yeah. conference because someone at work was listening on the radio. Right. And he's a real Bonnie head. He's a real, he's a real Bonnie fan. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a fan of CKNW because what he likes are people who talk like this. Ram, 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 ram. This is, that's the talk radio voice that sure. everyone has. Ram, ram, ram. What's going on with ram, ram, ram? Sometimes I'm on CKNW, but only after midnight. Oh, that's and fine. You can with... be, you can have a calmer voice then. But yeah. In the daytime, you have to be like, we're gonna talk to so and so about ram ram ram. That's that's yeah. That's get them mad. Get them uh, get them awake in the car so <laughs> they stay awake. Then people phone up on the phone. I just want to say ram ram ram. They just yeah. say it on their phone, but instead of because I don't want to like write a letter to the editor of the <laughs> province. It's too much work. It's way too much work. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you're Dr. Bonnie to Dr. Saying, Henry, yeah. Or Dr. Henry is saying that we it was okay to get together, but just don't get together like avoid parties with strangers. I know that's the thing, but here's the thing. I mean, who knows where your family's been? You don't yeah, know, right? No. Like, sure. honestly, like, uh, I mean, I, I love them, but I have no idea where my sister and her bro- and her husband have been. Yeah, I don't know where my niece and my nephew have been. They've mm-hmm. been like uh, around other people, and yeah. you know, and it's like no ill will or bad intention, but uh, you know, uh, uh, aerosol germs don't care. They don't <laughs> care. They just uh, spread around, and sure. like you know. Will uh, teenagers be always wearing a mask? Will they always be safe? Are they always clean? Uh, we'll see. So yeah, it's it's okay. It's like you know we're gonna do it. It's but but there definitely is a risk. Yeah, you know, and it'd be nice uh, if there wasn't a risk of that sort. And I mean, the only risk should be uh, emotional devastation at Christmas. That's, <laughs> that's the only right. It's only one that matters. Yeah, that's what we're uh, prepared for. That's what we're used to, and uh, that's what we expect. Mm-hmm. But you know, en- enough with the uh, enough with the uh, the plague bullshit. Enough. What's what's your point? What's your point? Can't we get back to uh, a global um, climate disaster? Come on, the other things. And by God, if we have an earthquake right after this, fuck off. <laughs> sincerely like that's enough yeah that's enough of that we need to just like have just calm the hell down for like a good like a good five-year calm the hell down Mm -hmm. get some stuff done and then you know whatever the meteor can hit then that's fine and uh, with unlike with overflowing drains i am not insured for earthquakes so i don't have earthquake insurance in my house oh you don't no okay are you in an earthquakey area 
I no, that's what I think. I don't think I am, so I'm not too worried about it. Okay. I have boundless overconfidence in the, us not having to worry about it. I think the chickens will warn you first. That's what they say. Your best, your best uh, is the early warning system is chickens. That's right. Yeah, that's why they. That's what they're best known for. You have enough animals that will probably just perk up and look at you and go, "Hey, come on, yeah, smarten up." Well, everyone knows that chickens can tell you when the sky's falling. Yeah. So I feel, yeah. Well, I guess that's not really earthquake. So actually, you know what? We're doomed. So in Chicken Little, Scratch that. what did Chicken Little think was happening? He thought the sky was falling. Yeah. And what's the consequences of that? The entire sky is going to fall and crush you? That's the situation? Yeah, he didn't understand air pressure that we're already under, like, you know, whatever it is, 14 pounds per square inch or whatever right. of weight from the atmosphere. So first of all, Chicken Little was a flat earther, probably, right? <laughs> he probably was a flat earther. Right. And what actually hit Chicken Little on the head? Was it like an acorn or something like that? I'm not sure. Whereas other people would then discover relativity, Chicken Little... Gravity. Oh, I'm sorry. That relativity is Einstein. Yeah. Uh, gra- uh, had a theory of uh, gravity. It, it wasn't just called gravity, though, right? Like Isaac Newton didn't go, ah, it's a theory of gravity. That wasn't right. Wasn't it a fancier name than that? Oh, the law of thermodynamics, do you mean? No, like, I don't think it would be thermodynamics, but it would be... Well, there's the three things that he developed, right? The idea right. of gravity... And uh, uh, he mixed sriracha with mayo. I know he did entropy that. Entropy and... Yeah. And whatever the other one is. Made whatever that sauce was, yeah. <laughs> Who, Newton made a sauce? Yeah, he mixed sriracha with mayo. He was the first one one to do that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Put on a breakfast sandwich. It was really great. It's per- it perfect breakfast sandwich sauce. Okay. How much, like, what's the, uh, how much the ratio? Yeah, what's the ratio? It's about, it's a general, well, it depends how spicy you want it to be. Mm, I would I say, like I would say, okay, well, then I'd go half and half for you, but I'd go normally a third sriracha to two thirds mayo. Okay. And you put that on like a, a nice egg sandwich. Oh, it's good. Really, on an oh, egg sandwich? Oh, absolutely. 100%. You mean like a fried egg sandwich? Well, you could do a fried egg sandwich. Not like a, but you wouldn't make it. You wouldn't use it and make like a, an egg salad sandwich with that, would you? Oh, no, you wouldn't make an egg salad sandwich okay. and substitute mayonnaise. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. yeah. You wouldn't do that. No. Okay, that, was, that seemed a bit much. You could do it on your equivalent of like an egg McMuffin. You could do it on like a, a nice uh, scrambled egg sandwich. Mm. Uh, it would just be, it's so good. Uh, fantastic little cheese to that. Ah, it's good eating. Yeah, and that was uh, Newton did that. But okay, law of thermodynamics. <laughs> I think that's. I, mean, I don't think he gave it that that name at the time, but okay. But I think yeah, I think he came up with like three different laws of that. And he also came up with the ninety percent rule for going in for a kiss, and the ten thousand uh, times rule. Like you have to do something ten thousand times. Yeah, because he was a numerologist. As you know. And if you do things ten thousand times, you then turn into Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> Is that what happens? Yeah, that's a, that doesn't seem fair. I mean, you know what? We can all make up shit. Just be like Malcolm Gladwell and make up shit. I don't think he makes shit up. Do you don't think the 10,000 thing is... Uh, well, clearly I think the 10,000 10, thing is, is made up That is shit. made up, yes. Yep. But I don't think it's wrong. The sense that you have to do something many, many times. You know, like, you you have to understand... No, of like, course, many, many times. Yeah, I think it's just a way of explaining to people that there's nothing magical about the Beatles. You know, like, they, they were really good because they, you know, were very... Well, you watch them. I mean, they obviously yeah. were very um, motivated to be good. You know? Yes, that's correct. Now, but in the other billion people that exist on Earth, yes, or like, let's just go. How many other, especially like around the time that they existed? Yeah. How many other bands? Uh, were I'm just for? talking. I'm just talking about playing instruments. And I, stuff under, like that. I understand. I'm not, I understand. Yes, of course they were there's remarkable other, in other but ways. But I'm saying yeah. there's other bands that played instruments as yeah. much as they did. Yeah. Practice as much as they did. Yeah. And they did not 
achieve the same things the Beatles yes. did. No, that's true. I'm almost arguing on your side of this normally. <laughs> normally my argument is it is all practice. But when you're talking about were the Beatles magical, I think yeah. there was some factors that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But outside of striking. Outside of their instrument, like they weren't like the best, in, you know, instrumentalists nope. in the world. You know, they, but what they could do, they did super well. And yeah, they had other factors. But I'm just talking about the idea that you shouldn't be intimidated by things. Like when people see someone else who can draw, you know, they always say things, oh, I wish I could draw. Well, you can, you know, you just, you had to have, you know, liked drawing enough that you sat in your room and drew at night, you know, and then eventually you learned to draw. Well, I'm also going to go with the second thing, there, which is, uh, and I'm sure there's other factors as well, but it's not just sitting and practicing okay. and or sitting and practicing with someone else. It's a creative environment as well. What is the creative environment and what's your motivation? If you have someone who both pushes you, but not pushes you too far, mm-hmm. that's the thing. You got to get that. You got to get someone who challenges you that yeah. makes you, oh man, John's really good. I better up my game. Otherwise, John's going to write all the songs. <laughs> and then George coming in with the side going, yeah. you know, my songs aren't oh, yeah. as good as this. But then, of course, he does his songs later and they, that becomes the number one album for like nine weeks. You know, those are the songs that weren't good enough for this because he was with the other guys. <laughs> they were super good. So, yeah. but also it kind of broke his spirit for a while. So it can't, it can't totally break your spirit. It, but it's got to be enough to raise you up. And enough of a challenge, and it's like, oh, it's just this precious balance. And then when one element is too much, then it's over, and the bubble pops, and yeah. there it goes. That's but possible. I think that's that's a big factor. Is like, what's your what's your creative environment that you're making things in as mm-hmm. well? Mm-hmm. Not just practice. No, that's true. That's true. I agree with you. And is your motivation to get out of your uh, town? <laughs> yeah, that's a good motivation. If they were, in, say, if they grew up in London instead. Instead of Liverpool, mm-hmm. working class town. Yeah. You know, so like, it might have been like, hey, London. Yeah, we could just stick around in London. We could do stuff in London. But if you're in Liverpool, we got to get out of here. Yeah. And that for me, when I was growing up in North Delta, it was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. So we got to go. But if I'd grown up in Vancouver, I don't know if things have been different or not. I might have just been, this is good. It's fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> comfortable. Sure. Yeah. No, it's possible. I mean, yeah, there's lots of factors. I mean, you could look through different stages of the Beatles' career and go, oh, if. This had, you know, if this hadn't been this way or this had been, you know, they'd signed to Decca. Decca had said, oh, you guys are pretty good. Then that would probably, they probably, we probably wouldn't have the Beatles the way we have them now. There's lots of little factors. Or even you sure. look at something like Monty Python. Sure. And you go like, there's, there's a bunch of guys who would seem to be almost the anti-Beatles to a degree. And that they all seem to be pretty well off financially, generally. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of privileged. They're going to the high-end school. So you would think that they would have very little to do with the Beatles. And yet they became kind of culturally uh, significant in such a similar way that wasn't it like George Harrison that said they were kind of carrying on the Beatles legacy? Yeah, he felt like, well, the spirit of, of the, the Beatles. Isn't that strange? Because you would think like these these guys would be the opposite mm-hmm. of the Beatles in, in, in many, many ways. Yeah. And yet, what an, what an interesting, odd thing to say for, for, for George Harrison to say. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he was a big fan. So <laughs> yeah, no, I understand he was a big fan. But do you, do you agree with that? Because you're a fan of both. I am a big fan. I don't. I don't really. Do you see similarities? I don't see it. This, I don't see it that way myself. Like I, I guess to him they were. I don't know. Is it pushing the standards? I mean, I guess at the time the the Monty Python was the the best sketch comedy troupe, the best comedy well, show. Best, but be- it's a little different when it's like. I think. Yeah, I think- mean, there was like a unique mixture of individuals as well. Yeah. One of those things where you needed you needed all of them to be who they were. They basically you know? they were changing what 
the what they not what they were yeah but they were changing not even what the genre is but they were changing what sketch comedy was in the same way that the beatles were changing what pop music was yeah yeah you know so but everything was different after they'd uh, been through it sure i mean and constantly trying to take yeah. things to the next level as well never really set on let's repeat ourselves and do the same thing because no sure. monty python film was like the previous monty python film no that's true that's what well, yeah Oh, would you think that that any of them were? No, they're all different. I do. Th- I do think that they kind of peaked at, at Life of Brian. I don't think Meaning of Life is like a step above of Life of Brian. Myself, it's different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a return almost to um, the the first film, and now for something completely different, where it's more of a, a set of sketches. New, but it was sort new of linked. sketches. Yeah, so. they were new sketches, but they're sort of linked. You know, they were thematically linked, but they very. You know. Whereas uh, now for something completely different was not linked in any. It was way. sort of the greatest hits of the, just, of the yeah, TV was, show. Yeah, yeah. It was like their number ones. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really. Yeah, I don't really understand. And probably other the other Beatles would have kind of been like. But say shrugged. you were on CKNW right now and you had to have a strong mwah, opinion mwah, on mwah. that. Well, say? I would say about Money Python, I'd say more, more, more. No, I mean, I have, I have big opinions about Money Python because I do think that they were. So great, and what I think is interesting about them is that is that they had you know they had that secret weapon in Graham Chapman, who is just you know so uh, this unreliable, drunken um, lunatic that was in every way an, uh, an impediment to the group and looked like the straightest guy there. Looked like the straightest guy in the world, but at the same time, he's the one who said instead of a toaster, let's make it a parrot. You know, and that's brilliant. So you need a person like that who just thinks, who moves sideways from what you're doing, you know. And like, so he always needed a writing partner. He he needed someone to work with him, you know. So like, he he wrote for years and years for uh, Doctor in the House. Yeah. Even during Monty Python. He, and he was he a doctor. He was a doctor. He was a, he was a yeah. Um, yeah, he acted uh, as the uh, set physician for Life of Brian, actually. Because he'd finally sobered up by that point. So he could do those sort of things. When he made... Holy Grail, he was not so good. Not so good at all. Yeah. There's but by the things. time you got like uh, Life of Brian, he was he was doing some good acting in that. Yes. Like you can't think of anyone else who would be the lead really in that. Well, maybe maybe Palin. Maybe, but But yeah, but what's good about Chapman is he's a really good straight man. Yeah. He's a really like whereas my Michael Palin has the kind of problem that you have with we we're talking about this with Dana Carvey and Mike Myers and people like that, is he's a really good character actor. Mm-hmm. But I don't Thing. like in the movie the missionary but a more grounded character actor a more grounded it. character actor but even in the movie like the missionary he kind of disappears into the movie he's right. not he's a lead character but he doesn't stand out enough to make that like a big a big role or whatever do you know what i mean yeah he's I look, much better in fish called wanda where he's kind of can be part of the ensemble and though it's not really a comedic role uh his role in brazil mm-hmm. is very is very grounded yeah. and, and, yeah. and both friendly and full of menace at the same time yes i think he's a very good actor for sure but I think Graham Chapman was, for whatever reason, was better at carrying the movies, whether he's King Arthur or 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 Brian. I think he was a good reactor, mm-hmm. and that's what you need to yeah. be, I think, in a troupe like that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I just find it fascinating. Like apparently, John Cleese found it very frustrating to have been partnered with him, which they were partners when they they were already writing together for like the two Ronnies, or not yeah. the two Ronnies, but for the Frost Report, and then and then had done the at last the nineteen forty eight show before moving towards doing Monty Python. So they were already writing together, but I think at that point, Cleese was already kind of fed up with him. Mm. And so he was constantly trying to steal Michael Palin away from Terry Jones and yeah, work with yeah. him. 
because he liked that's why he wanted that's basically why Monty Python started was because John Cleese wanted to work with Michael Palin and so Palin came with Eric Idle and Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam he's kind of like well if you want to we're going to all have to be together because they were already together on uh, Do Not Adjust Your Set and so he's like okay well I guess I'll take I guess I have to take all of you guys so and that all worked out pretty good <laughs> it did so there <laughs> and how many hours did they work on their stuff we don't know well, we a lot, though, because you think they were in the Footlights Club. Sure. They were touring. They were, like, toured internationally. They toured, in, like, Chapman and Cleese toured in and Australia. And, of course, yeah, they and put in, in their in work a, on Frost Report and all these other yeah, things. Yeah, they like, were in America. Do they, not adjust your sap. They did Off-Broadway in America. Yeah. That's how they met Terry Gilliam at first, because he was working for Help, and he, he uh, cast Cleese in a fumetti that was in Help. That's right, where yeah. Where Cleese fell in love with a Barbie doll. And then, so, yeah, it's just a... It's, but then when Terry Gilliam came to England, he didn't he didn't... Uh, work with Lee. He worked with Palin and, and Terry Jones and, and Eric Idle on Do Not Adjust Your Set. He was in the second season as the as the set cartoonist. So there'd be yeah, it's just and you and you'd never think that like he would become the director of the group, like as in like the famous breakout director. But it was his short film Elephants that gave them the format for Ronnie Python. Oh, okay. So when they saw that animation, they're like, oh, this is what we want to do, but as a sketch comedy show. Okay. So we want this sort of linked. Was that the one with the elephant of surprise in it, or was I'm, that a different thing? I don't know if I've ever seen it. Okay, I don't know if I've ever seen it. I've, I've only, I've only heard about it. I don't know. It's probably available. And I'm if just... anyone's got a link to that, let us know. Yeah, please. Um, yeah. So, but he had done that film, and it was like just kind of like it was basically like the cartoons or the animated sequences he did for Monty Python, but it's a little longer. But when they saw that, they're like, "Ah, oh, this is what we should do as a comedy show. Like, just have these kind of you know linked sketches that kind of flow into each other and have the whole show flow." From beginning to end, and not have any kind of like set format, which is which is smart because then you don't lose the momentum that you which you normally do in mm-hmm. a sketch comedy show. Yeah, that's a big that's a big flaw of Saturday Night Live, which is also a blessing of Saturday Night Live, is uh, is that they have to start every sketch cold. You yeah. got to build up the yeah. concept, no matter you, you, yeah. you don't get any heat from what <laughs> just went before. Yeah, you just right into ugh, who, what's going on. <laughs> okay, am I on board with this? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Here we go. It's true. It's true, and it is. It's it's a very it's a very tricky thing, and yeah, it's funny to watch Python though. Like I was watching a little while ago, I was watching the first season, and it's one of those things where you're like, it kind of starts off a little cool, like it's not it's a little bit rough at the beginning, yeah. But by the time you get to like the mid season of that first season, you're like, man, I fr- I didn't even remember these these no, shows, no, no. but they're so good, yeah. like they're so great. Like what is going on? <laughs> this is fantastic. So. Yeah, it's a it's a funny. Um, yeah, it's a it, and they're uh, and they're quite a bit better than people uh, saying them out loud to you. <laughs> people who memorize the parrots. Yeah, yeah, and and then are telling you it, and it's like, huh? I okay, hated, I hated people doing that. But to be honest with you, I did memorize the parrot sketch, but not intentionally. I just had it was on like three different albums. And plus a TV show, so you just you saw it. So it's often. like memorizing a song. You just you can't know? help yourself. You, you just know? memorize it, and then you sing yeah. it to yourself, or you you say this out loud, or there you go. Yeah, you can't help. You can't help it. You can't help it. Yeah, you know it. And you also, it, it was kind of a little it. code, you know, for people who like that kind of thing to each other to like, oh, okay, yeah, we get it. Yeah, you get it. I get. It. Yeah, we get it. That there was we are. that was definitely a friend test for me, as if you like Monty Python. If you yeah. didn't, if you didn't, I kind of went. I'm doubting that people, you know, used to go uh, try to do who's on first to each other to, to become <laughs> friends, <laughs> or the no. sanity clause uh, routine. But that's it. I mean, I had a very close friend that I grew up with. We were, our parents were friends. 
And so we were kind of thrown together as kids. But we were very, <laughs> very close uh, growing up. And I mean, we discovered Monty Python together. We discovered we discovered um, the Marx Brothers together just by turning on the TV and it was on. We didn't like look for it. We didn't even know it existed. You know, the very first Monty Python I saw was the one with the pantomime Princess Margaret, like the pantomime sure. horse as a spy and uh, and all that ridiculous Just crazy, with, yeah. With Jacques Cousteau and everybody just watching this. <laughs> and, I, you know, we didn't even see it at the beginning of the show. We just kind of turned, tuned into it like partway through it, right? So you're, you're just watching this thing and at first you're kind of mystified, but it's just so crazy yeah. that you're like... First one had uh, this is great. It was some some uh, like flat, and it was uh, they were all underwater, but they were just sitting there like it with scuba tanks. Okay, just, yeah, yeah. It was, I was like, what's this? It's like a living room. Yeah, yeah, living yeah, room underwater. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the sketch was, but it was like, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh! And I think like Confuse a Cat was the next one I can remember. I was like, what's this? Yeah, what's see, going I didn't on? I didn't see Confuse a Cat the first time I like tried to watch all the Monty Python I possibly could. Well, my mother was against it because there was nudity, but my grandparents were British, so they got it. Mm, so mm. it was fine to watch it with them. Yeah, my dad hated it, he said. But when he was in the room and I watched it, he would laugh. He would laugh hysterically at it, you know. Was it because it was lowbrow to him? Because that was my dad's problem with things like Simpsons and what have you. Mm. Or Steve Martin. You know, he'd just go, this is stupid. But I'm thinking, like, but is it funny? Well, but, it's not even that. I'm thinking, like, Steve Martin's lowbrow? It was Steve yeah, Martin. Steve Martin was, low, like, the jerk and stuff. Yeah, it I would guess just that's kind of, yeah. Or, you know, he played on. dumb. That is kind of playing. I mean, that's playing on a character. I mean, it's funny. I was listening to him on uh, Funny Funny Ten Forty on the that stand up comedy channel. They're, they do play Steve Martin, and he had a bit where he talks about how he was uh, born a poor, poor black kid. Yeah, you know, and so and then and so that's the kind of start of that. Obviously, the start of that idea. The jerk, him yeah, is because he talks in there like how only his hands. The man and, who fell from heaven, as we remember, from Nina. The you know he's only he's only weight, <laughs> but from, more of a devil, really. What? Okay, <laughs> he's only weight from the neck up and his hands and his, his hands. He says in the bit. So yeah, it's kind of a it's just interesting. So obviously, he sort of took that and developed it for the for the film. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. Does he hear the germ of the idea of the jerk? He is an interesting guy in terms of, and he had a lot of characters called the blank guy. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but he's an interesting person in that he's he's one of those people who really knows okay things have changed now i'm going to change and and shifts shifts around mm-hmm. you know and i wouldn't it it sounds weird to compare him to bowie but he's kind of like bowie and that like the the steve martin that you would see on the smothers brothers show is very different than the steve martin you would see years later years later years later years later to now mm-hmm. to the guy who's like you know on uh, only murders in the building it's so <laughs> radically different than the yeah. you know let's get small guy yeah he just yeah, keeps sure. he keeps changing the persona up but he still but he is was, grounded in, in yeah. who he is no i mean yeah I mean, he took a big risk i think i mean i can understand why he did it i mean he says I just got too big. It was no fun to do shows to such large audiences mm-hmm. because they didn't want to hear old, new things. They just wanted to hear old things, you know, so you couldn't do it like new bits to them. Sure. They, they just wanted to hear the greatest hits over and over again, you know. And that's a controversial thing where it's like, mm-hmm, well, then write new bits. And you know he could write new bits. But he could, but I think you kind of feel also trapped by by circumstances. Well, what where are you getting out of it? Because like, you want to you be, you want the audience to like you. That's why, partly why you're there. Sure, sure. But and so silence is no fun, especially a, a full full coliseum of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Silent. That, that's I get not, that. But yeah. it's like, there's nothing. Do King Tut. That's fine. There's nothing stopping you from doing smaller venues. There's nothing stopping you from doing what he did, which was then moving on to movies. Yeah. You know, doing No, some- no, no. That, but, but moving on to movies was, a, I think, was very 
brave of him to like just be like, okay, I'm not going to be a stand-up comic anymore. Comic anymore. I'm going to go into movies. By the way, being a stand-up comic is probably harder than being in movies sure. as well. I will say because sure. you, you know you got to you got to build the act and do all the stuff. But then yeah, but there's he, a lot of money behind you when you're going to do a movie. There's a lot of pressure that way. There there is. Um, I'm not saying saying in terms of like and like performance and stuff like that. I'm sure it's a lot easier. But, but I in, think in terms of pressure, yeah. But in the movies, then you know. He did take a lot of risks, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. all of me is a is a very uh, uh, pennies from heaven didn't do well. Yeah, but I mean, good God, that was a risk. I don't think know? that was his film, though. I think he just was acting in it. Right? Fair, he, fair he didn't enough. produce it or anything. But I mean, the first, like the jerk and and the dead men don't wear plaid and stuff like that. You know, he's he's definitely you know putting someone's money at risk. And, yeah, the uh, jerk and and dead men no, don't wear plaid are similar vibes to what he was known for mm-hmm. but taken to which but it's smart in that taken to a movie level which yeah, a yeah. lot of times with a saturday night live type character doesn't happen like mm-hmm. blues brothers was smart in that it took saturday night live characters yeah. but then took and made it an action movie yeah. it's like that's how you it do. made it big really big right yeah. but then yeah. you do something like Coneheads, and it's like well we're gonna like you know basically just do an extended version of a sketch well no that's not what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you're uh, that's wrong, and uh, it, it's <clears> almost <throat> like the the sketches that don't translate well to movies are the ones that have a little bit too much to them. Whereas something like Wayne's World, which was so limited as to what he did, that yeah. like, well, we know nothing about your world. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. now we're going to see outside the doors, and yeah. the same thing with the Blues Brothers. We haven't seen you guys off stage. Mm-hmm. What do you like off stage? Oh, it's a completely different world that you can build and you can do whatever you want. But yeah, Steve Martin. Kept doing things and, and, and taking risks. And, you know, you look at the something like, you know, he's in, of course, Three Amigos. Very charming in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could get lost with two other big hams, you know, on either <laughs> side of him. Very easy to do. Sure. But then you compare him to someone like uh, a Chevy Chase, who he was comparable with kind of at the time. Mm-hmm. And look at where their careers have gone. And it's like one is yeah. and one is Yes, one one didn't know when to quit the cocaine, and the other one did. So, do you think that was that was it? Was the the drugs were the uh, were the issue? I do for think the most that's part? an issue for. for I think also personality wise. I think well, one yes. is someone you like to work with, and one is someone that you don't. Yeah, that makes a difference too. So if you don't if you don't make friends, there's no one there to catch you when when you fall. Yeah, you know, that's a big that makes a difference. I think. I mean, and Steve Martin has always felt seemed to me like you know even when he does things that you go like, hmm, really? You know, at least it's like, it's different. Sure. You know, I'm not, I mean, you're what, you're doing the Pink Panther? Really? Okay. Which I actually liked a minute, but it's like, okay, but I can't say you've done something like this before. Yeah. You know, all right, let's see what you got. Okay, fine. You know, and then move on to a next thing and move on to the next thing and move on to a next thing. I think that was during my I Can't Be Bothered phase of with steve martin that's fine cheaper by the dozen and all those sort of things it's kind of yeah eh. father of the bride eh. yeah eh. it was a kind of the straight man thing i mean pink panther is a different situation than that you actually have to do some comedy and sure. do some physical business yeah whereas father of the bride and all those it's a lot of reacting to the craziness that's around you sure but even pink panther you're kind of you're kind of reacting in some ways there's a little bit of slapstick but there's a lot of slapstick and and it's basically all slapstick there's no yeah, there's no subtlety to any of the jokes <laughs> no, in the uh, in the uh, Pink Panther movies. I know you would think like this looks like it's the worst idea in the world, mm-hmm. but hell, I sat down, I watched both of them, and damn it, they're funny. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you except he's good in them and they work. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe it was just the headspace I was in at the time. I should be cynical. I'm not. I liked him. What are you gonna do? 
Yet the Ellen Arkin one isn't quite as successful. What's the Ellen Arkin one? He played Inspector Clouseau in a movie called Inspector Oh, Alan Clouseau. Arkin. I thought yeah. it was like Ellen Barkin for some oh, reason. Sorry. I <laughs> Ellen Arkin, yeah. Yeah, he played Inspector Clouseau for one film, which also directed by Blake Edwards. Mm. He, he purposefully cho- chose not to work with Peter Sellers because uh, he was uh, ma- angry at him, I guess. Yeah, there's another person who took some um, Chevy Chase-ish uh, turns in his uh, career and people didn't really want to work with him. Yeah, no, apparently he was not a pleasant person. Yeah. At, at, I don't know if that was like all the time or... It's, yeah, he's a, but or just from working maybe because he worked with Kubrick, he kind of got a big big head after doing Strange Love, the three parts in Strange Love, and then possibly doing, I think he's also in Lolita as well. I think it's uh you know look maybe that's just how you are. Sometimes sometimes that's just how people are. But there's yeah. there's so many people out there that you know you can work with who aren't jerks. That why <laughs> take the time and put yeah. up with the nonsense? I guess. I mean, he always worked so. Worked as much as he wanted, I guess. You know, being there, big kind of it's yeah. a pretty good, pretty good ending to your career. Was that was that his last film? I think that was his last film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good on him then. <laughs> he, he got he got it. But yeah, I think he kind of slowed down a bit because he's having had heart problems most of his later life. Anyway, was there ever any talk of uh, reuniting the goons? Or when they broke well, they up, they did, were they done. did like some stuff in the seventies together. Okay. But yeah, I don't think that. Um, I don't think there was much. Was that an ugly breakup when they uh, split, or was it uh, just it was time? I think it was a time thing. I think they everyone was ready to go on and do other things. Because Harry Seacombe was like a singer as well as a, as a straight man sort of situation. Like he came out of came out of singing in like music halls and stuff in England. He has a really good, he actually a really good book that he wrote about it. Actually, it's it's yeah. a I think it's like a Romana Clef. I don't think it's a true biography. Or autobiography. I think it's told in the form of like another character, but it's basically describing like what it was like for him touring and, and stuff around, you know, the sort of different England of that time and going in, going town to town and performing in music halls and things, which is kind of their their version of vaudeville. But it lasted a lot longer. There was still music hall performance stuff in the fifties. Obviously, like post war, he was doing that. So yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if, uh, and again, I don't know what Peter Sellers was like. But I know there there is kind of a history of uh, character-based comedians mm-hmm. who are uh, known to be unpleasant uh, per, in personal pers- yeah. in their personal yeah. lives. And it feels like, oh, they're just more comfortable in character, you know, and that's yeah. why they bury themselves so much in mm-hmm. character is, you know, because they're not a big fan of themselves. Yeah. You know, as, as themselves. And it's like, okay. Then you found you found a way to you know take this flaw that you've got yeah. and make it something that uh, makes people happy and makes you money. So all right, good on you. Well, I think apparently Peter Sellers like like to have people over at his house. They, they would watch movies and things like that. I think that he liked to kind of bury himself in in that kind of you know oh I'll watch a movie then I don't have to I don't have to be on I don't have sure. to be you know because when he shows up and get back he doesn't have much to say. He's not like funny or anything or a bon vivant or has any great stories he just kind of shows up and then he's there for like a maybe regulation two minutes are the beatles fans of his oh i think so well they love the goon show so they would have been okay. fans yeah big fans yeah that's a big part of the the big part of that whole generation of british and he was just youth. about to be in a movie with ringo star he was yeah he's gonna do um that, that movie uh, the, magical christian the magic christian yeah Ma- um magic christian so had they started work on that yet and no. did they know each other from that or I mean, or they, do they know each other anyway? They must. They knew each other already because they were. Um, Richard Lester had worked with Peter Sellers, and we worked with the Goons basically for a short film called "The Running 
the running stop. I can't remember it's called now. It's the running standing still movie or whatever. Running stopping standing still, something like that. And so he'd worked with him on that on that movie or on that film. Yeah, that movie. And then it's like a short kind of humorous film that he worked with him on it. So he was familiar with Peter Sellers. Of course, George Martin had worked with Peter Sellers as well. He recorded. He was his producer for his comedy albums on Parlophone. Now, who di- who directed the movie that they're like Let It Be? Who directed that film? Lindsay uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg. Michael Lindsay Hogg, right? Who went on to do other other stuff like later on? I guess like little. Here's here's why. Uh, because there was someone I know who did a movie with him years later and didn't know he directed oh, Let It Be. Okay, so he just started watching this movie and yeah. just was like what the hell? And it's just see him like wandering around like, is that? And then looked up his IMDb and went, yeah! And so he got directed by that guy, yeah. Yeah, because, well, Lindsay, Michael Lindsay Hogg had directed a bunch of the Beatles, like, movies, like, their, their video promos. Oh, okay. Like, Rain and stuff like that. He had directed that. So they knew him from that, and then he had worked on the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus as well. Okay. And so that's, but you know, so I think they were comfortable working with people that they knew and I think that after their uh, Magical Mystery Tour experience, they wanted to have someone who like knew that you should use a clapper, uh, you know, to, to sync your sound and things like that. Just, you know, the sort of disasters that happened from their amateurish uh, attempts to make a movie for Magical Mystery Tour. Even though I dearly love Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was a, a TV movie called uh, Two of Us okay. from 2000. Just the two of us. I'm pretty sure that that we song was probably in in there, and there or was it Frankie Starlight? Oh, I think it was Frankie Starlight. Oh, okay, yeah, starring Gabriel Byrne and uh, Matt uh, Matt Dillon. Yeah, I think that was it. Yep. Huh. Uh, based on the best selling novel, The Dork of Cork. I think it was smart to change the name. <laughs> To yep. John, what's it called? Johnny or oh, Frankie Starlight? Frankie Starlight. It's a 1995 drama romantic war film. Yep. Wow. So, uh, it's really so straddling the genre there. It's uh, straddling something <laughs> for sure. Uh, let's see, critical reception. Uh, uh, the New York Times thought the film was flawed but decent and did not think highly of the actors' acting. Hmm. Oh, that's too bad. Actors should do good acting in films for the most part. Yeah, but that sounds like a pretty good cast with what you say, Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne and, yeah. and Matt, uh, Dillon. Matt Dillon. Hmm. Who's in one of my favorite movies, which is uh, Drugstore Cowboy. Nice. And uh, Gabriel Byrne, uh, the story I like to tell, is my friend Roger. We went to L.A. Okay. once. We were hanging out. Sure. Uh, having, a, having a nice time. And uh, and Roger got cast in a movie as a villain. And uh, it was like, ooh, pretty good. And then uh, just before we were uh, wrapping up uh, to, to come home, uh, there was a phone call. And it's like, oh, Gabriel Byrne said he'd do it. So sorry you're out. <laughs> it. it's just those little things isn't it <laughs> just those little things yep that could have been like a little step a step up for roger and then could have been a contender could have been a contender but he got burned just like we gabriel burned just like we got burned by this hour is 22 minutes oh boy it's just those little things oh in boy where we could be we, a, uh, foot, a footnote that would, uh, yeah, just another would, footnote uh, again <laughs> looking back there's so many little time bombs <laughs> that are uh, that were that are in that that would have gone off at some point <laughs> so it's okay but you know the thing is, is that mean, hell we might have had to have moved to Halifax for crying out loud who knows oh I mean it's not for life is it people don't move back from Halifax you were you were there for a while I don't know you still uh, there no well no but <laughs> this is the matrix I was I was the yeah. odd man out there like it mm. was like people live there, they just go, and you don't, okay. you can't come back. All right, maybe it's nice there. It's that's the problem. 
Okay. It's like, it's nice enough. Yeah. Like, why would you, okay, why would you come back to BC? Give me a reason you would come back to BC from, uh, from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Besides family. Oh, yeah, you like your family. That's fine. But they could move there. Okay, well, what's, what's, what, what, is, what has BC got that uh, Halifax has not got? Well, beaches, obviously. No, they got beaches. Lots of beaches. No, I know. Tons. <laughs> Tons of beaches. God damn, you like uh, a nice beach? I would say... What do you, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you want? White uh, spot? They don't have white spot. They don't have white spot there. But, it. but I don't think they have the greatest economy in the Maritimes. Oh, but look, yeah. you're working, uh, if you start working at the CBC, you're there for life. Oh, probably. is that right? Okay, I'm a oh, lifer. they'll give you work for life. See, I see. There's, some, BC, there's work, don't CBC worry. CBC lifer, okay. Yeah, okay. don't worry. Okay, I don't have to worry about that. Did you, did you, sorry, did you work on a CBC show, CBC show for what, like a week? Oh, well, then you're, you, you're fine. <laughs> you're going to be working there forever. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, shoot. Yeah, they always got a thing for you, buddy. Okay. Hey, buddy. Oh, Dave, Dave needs work. What? He needs work. <laughs> oh, we got a show starting up. Does Dave need work on the show? Yeah. Okay. Dave's working on the show. We're never let you down, Dave. Yeah. And then we'll see you over at the bar afterwards. <laughs> Have a burger. How? Um, Swordfish burger. I would guess it would be weather. Oh, Dave, you don't like the snow? I don't know. Yeah, oh, no. bundle up, Dave. It feels Just a little, bundle up for a little while. It feels a little harsh. I'm, oh, it's a little harsh. I'm more of a fan of Too much of snow this. for you, Dave. Yeah, I like the rain. Don't worry about it. More the rain. Oh, you like the rain? Oh, well, we, yeah. got, we got rain, Dave. Don't worry oh, about sure that. I'm sure we got rain, but... You I like rain, buddy? <laughs> we got rain for you, buddy. Don't worry about that, buddy. Okay, um, this could be completely wrong. Where are you going? Where are you going? There's only one road, Dave. There's one road. Where are you going that you can't get there, Dave? Yeah. Where just, are you going? I just feel like it's still okay to smoke in restaurants there. You know what I mean? That's what it feels like you to can me. Like smoke a salmon. <laughs> like Halifax is still you can like smoke a trout. I feel like Halifax is still like it's 20 years ago there still. Well, that would still mean you couldn't smoke. 20 years is still. But you know what I mean, right? Like it always feels like it's the the maritime is slightly. I don't know. This seems again. Slightly I think I think past. you're talking yourself into it because I think you like the idea of a place being 20 years ago, don't you? I guess Doesn't so, that I, sound appealing to you? Uh, sort of. Yeah, it does. And again, there aren't that many roads. So, like when you're saying the snow is a pain, yeah. Where are you going that you can't get to? Yeah. The mall, it's clear. They cleared the way to the mall. What do you need to? Go? The movie theater, you can get to the movie theater. You're fine. And a lot of bands go there and tour. Studio. Bands come to Halifax? Not very many. Like, not smaller bands. Like, not... Oh, okay. You not your smaller tu- Yeah, not your touring, uh, you know, mid, mid, middle... Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I know that. Was, I was listening to um, the guys from Sloan talking, and they were... Oh, right, Sloan. Yeah. All right, by the way... They live in Toronto. The guys from... Okay, but they'll come back to help you move. <laughs> but, you just call them up and go like, hey, I'm moving. Where are you moving? I'm moving from uh, this street to this street. Where? In Halifax. Oh, fuck yeah. We'll be right there. And they'll, and they'll fly over. <laughs> yeah. In their private Sloan plane. Okay. And then they'll help you move. They wish. They wish they had a Sloan plane. Uh, yeah, just sound, yeah, that's fine. I just, I don't know. What would I, why would I not want to move there? Because it's not Vancouver. That's the thing. It's not Vancouver. This is what I'm used to. That's the thing. I think you can only move to another place if you don't like where you live. That's the thing. Like, but, but here's what you'll do at some point in Vancouver. You'll just go. You'll get your you'll get your uh, rent bill. And you'll look at it and just go fuck this, and then you'll go like, "How much is it in Halifax?" And you'll see how much is the house. Yeah, I got that my I got that my couch yeah. cushions. Yeah, okay, fine. And then you go buy a house in Halifax, and once you do that, you're screwed because where else are you going to go? <laughs> well, that's it. And who's going to buy it from you? Man, no. I you guess find another, another angry Vancouver. There's going to be another Vancouver. Like, there's going to be someone from the rest of Canada yeah. that will just go. How much is it? And like, I'll buy it. And like, all right, they buy it. And I bet you, if you, you looked, I bet you wouldn't find it that cheap there anymore. 
compared to here i just mean like comparatively like what what i mean look if you're comparing it to like alberta or you know the prairies yeah 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 yeah, or you know you know north territories yeah of course of course but compared to vancouver come on well yeah vancouver's crazy but i mean it's crazy that's the thing yeah but yeah like i think i just mean like if you looked like in my mind i'm thinking like oh it'd be great nice to pay like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand for a house that'd be Mm -hmm. perfect okay but I bet you it's more than that there now. Oh, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. I don't know either, so I'm just it's, kidding. It's nickels on a log, buddy. <laughs> What's nickels on a log mean? Nickels on a log. It's just throw some nickels on a log and they'll give you a house. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. And the little elves will come out and just go, do you want a house? <laughs> and go, it'll give you to you. Here's one. And it'll be a, a bright color, beautiful color. Yeah. Right. And it'll have a room that you won't find out about for like a couple of years. And then you'll go like, hey, where's that breeze coming from? <laughs> And then you like move a bookcase and be like, "There's a crack back there." And then you push it, and then the stairways go down. Sounds scary. And it's like, oof, yeah, it's very scary. That sounds that sounds great. Anytime you go to the bathroom in a restaurant in Halifax, yeah, you're on an adventure, and it's usually you're going down a rock stairwell, yeah. to a cave in the basement that's from another era. <laughs> sounds like it. yeah. And you're like, that's a weird. I'm not. It's cold. Yeah. But it's a different type of cold. Yeah. I'm not feeling it on my skin. I'm feeling it in my soul. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, go wash your hands. I don't think I need to wash my... You need to wash your hands. Just don't look in the and, mirror too and long. And your soul. Yeah, don't look into the mirror too long because you'll see the eyes. Your eyes will move in a direction that your eyes aren't moving. Ooh. Yeah, it's like, wait a second. <laughs> Why am I looking that way and I know I'm not? <laughs> and then you turn your head to look that way and you'll see what you were looking okay, at. Okay, <laughs> okay. Oh dear! That's, yeah, that's Halifax. That's scary. It's you're got, not painting a happy picture of a place. Mm, stuff's happened there. <laughs> yes, so that's where the Halifax explosion was. Yeah, bring that up. People, people love it when you bring that up. You, everyone will just go, <sighs> and then they'll tell you a story. Oh, they'll have stories. Yeah, I guess the family stories. And then they'll take yeah, they'll tell you a family story, and yeah. then here's what else they'll do. Yeah. They'll take you for a walk outside, mm-hmm. and then they'll point up at a window. Yeah. Do you see that window? And uh, something will have happened with that window during the Halifax during explosion. The hel- okay. And yeah, there'll yeah. be like a shape in the window. And they'll go like, what's, you know what that shape is? That's where that person flew through that window. Ooh. Yeah. The, and everyone's got a story like that. There's yeah. something that's. Sure. Oh, yeah. There are bits of boat landing in people's yards and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah. yeah. There was a weird thing in the Supergirl uh, TV show in the final season. Okay. So Lex Luthor has a sister called, I think, Lena. Lena Luther, Le- Lexi. No, Le- well, there was a character called Mixie, and that was confusing. But it wasn't <laughs> Mister Mixie's Piglet; it was a woman. Anyway, okay. uh, but the the Lex Luther sister found out that she was actually related to a coven of Newfoundland witches, <laughs> and so she went to Newfoundland. She actually went to Newfoundland. Well, she went to Vancouver. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. But in the show, in the show, she reality, went to Newfoundland. She went actually to Newfoundland. Yes. Because that's call where it, the did, coven of witches is. Did they call it Newfoundland or did they call it Newfoundland? Oh, that's a good point. I don't really remember. Okay. Probably they called it both things. <laughs> and then she goes there and yeah. it was a, a woman, uh, an actor named Colleen that I know. And she was the head of the coven. And uh, and she she showed her that she's got magical powers and whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, that's where witches come from, the Maritimes. Yes. 100% makes sense. 100% makes sense. I was watching it. I guess it's and, Canada's New England. I the Maritimes. That's where our witches in Eastwick are, yeah. It's connected to it, so like it feel, feels like like if you went there, that's where you would in Canada you would find like the beautiful like fall trees that 
have all the fiery colors. You know, we get we don't get that here in BC because our cold comes on too slowly. So we usually just kind of kind of yellow. Yeah. yellow You'll get leaves. some nice cherry blossoms here. But that yeah, I'm just talking about fall. So. I know. Well, I'm just saying. You're saying there we we have like something, something else we, that's yeah, nice. we got yeah, something yeah. else that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying though. But if you if you look at those pictures of like you know a bunch of beautiful deciduous trees with their fiery colored leaves sure you're looking at the east you're looking at the east coast where they right. get that quick frost frost that comes in and turns all those trees and we've got colors. witches but they'll do like uh they'll pickle things <laughs> you know they'll make a nice borscht sure. you know but uh, the the maritime witches uh they'll actually do some magic and shit and be able to like yeah, stop yeah. a meteor from hitting the earth we just have boring witches here that tell, talk talk your ear off oh you're not wrong <laughs> but the uh, maritime witches yeah yeah it was just a weird thing they did in the final season it's kind of odd yeah. So, By the way, you're related to a whole bunch of Newfoundland witches. What? So What's she was that? like a half sister. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah. So there was some connection that her mom was covering up. Uh, Covening up. Oh, oh. I think it's pronounced Coven. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> if I'm remembering that movie correctly. American movie. Uh, American uh, American movie. Was it American movie? Was it American? Uh, oh boy. American. I think film? you might be right. American movie, something like that. But it was a guy who was trying to make a movie called yeah. uh, Coven, and uh, I, would not would not take the note that that's not how it's pronounced. Some, some of the movie finally does tell him that it's that he doesn't believe them. He doesn't believe them. Yeah, and they don't just pick up a dictionary and just go, <laughs> "Well, let's settle this. Let's settle this like Webster's." Yeah, yeah. But then you'd have to know uh, how that that system works and like dictionaries. I don't know how that works. You don't know how the dictionary works? I know how the dictionary works, but I don't know how, like, the, all the pronunciation symbols and stuff oh, these. Okay. I don't know what those symbols mean. Like, it doesn't help me. I don't go, is it coven or coven? Then I look at, I look at like, an upside-down O with a line through it and go, I don't know. <laughs> still, okay. still not sure. All right. <laughs> dozen that's, or dozen? Let me just Okay, check. that's fair. I guess that's if fair. I knew dozen, the dozen was pronounced with Oh, uh, that's a I good way. Like, I could, like, Find compare the two. Find a rhyming word, yeah, and then yeah. you, that's, the, that's how yeah, you there, practice See, I just, I just help myself by... Little lateral thinking there. Good for you. Well, thank you. You thought your way out of the problem. I thought my way out of the paper bag. Nice. <laughs> we wouldn't have done that on the first show, but we've learned in ten years how to do such things. <laughs> I sent you a video the other, a couple days ago. Oh, oh, of what? Face- on Facebook. Oh, what if? Did you didn't get it? I don't know. Tell me what it is. I sent you a picture from uh, All Creatures Great and Small. Of, yes, you did. Okay, uh, but, yes, indeed. Because I wanted you to see that it wasn't a fake yeah. cow butt. I still don't understand how they worked that. I know, but it's the actor doing it. Like when you watch it, it's the actor. Pulling on a rope, pulling a calf out of a horse's... It just feels to uh, me that then you've got to have an actor on call who's like, listen, a second this, this cow is giving birth, sure, you got to get on set yeah. like, like, and not be not made that up. That's the actor. Everyone, the, cat, the crew and everyone has to be ready for this thing. Well, I mean... The only thing I can think of is that, I mean, they had... I mean, the show was filmed in Birmingham, for okay. one thing. So it wasn't filmed in London. So they... They already had some access to to rural areas, so they must have, and they had two vets as consultants in the show. Okay. And so the only thing I can think of is that the, the vets would arrange, like, would somehow like arrange with you know with a network of people and be like, we need a cow that's almost going to give birth. Yeah. We need to like we're going to do a pretend breech birth where we pull the cow up, we pull the calf out. But your but your cow we're just we're we're going to do the right thing to your cow. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good, but So don't worry about it. By the way, you'll also probably get paid for this or it's sure, going to be sure. a free birth. Yeah, yeah. Or there's something in your it. Your cow's you. name will be in the credits. Yeah, that's we'll, right. we'll put Daisy in the your credits. Your cow's now union. <laughs> it has yeah, it has this card. That would be pretty good actually if you were selling a cow and you could go this is the cow from all creatures great and small. Mm. Like, "Oh, 
That's pretty good. <laughs> maybe, maybe back then people would be impressed. Yeah, that's good eating. The other thing that was interesting on the show was there was an episode where a horse had canker, which is kind of like a it's it's a um it's like a it's like a bacteria that gets into the 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 foot and yeah, eats, it's, it's eats away. It's related to canker sores, I'm, I'm sure. I don't know about that. Well, a canker sore is kind of like an infection, like is a, it a, little, is a little pus it, thing. Sure. There. So, yeah, this can like eat down into the horse's foot oh. and cause quite a bit of damage. Oh, dear. Okay. And so, in the episode, uh, Siegfried has to like, he's, he's working on the horse. And so, they had the actor, Robert Hardy, who played uh, Cornelius Fudge in the, in, the, uh, in the Harry Potter films, okay. The Minister of, Ma- of Magic. This is when he was younger, of course, playing uh, Siegfried. By the way, I would love if like all the crazy names and then like one teacher, who's this? Doug Johnson. (laughs) And everyone's like, whoa, (laughs) crazy. Yeah. uh, Doug Jones. It's actually this, the actor, Doug Jones. But for once in his life, not in like makeup or anything, just him, you know. Oh, Um, so yeah, he's like got the, he's like working on the hoof. He's like got the hoof up on his leg. Like I've. That's, I remember doing that in Ferrier School. That's a leg shaker. You will start your legs will start to tremble from like holding that leg there. But he's fine. He's got it up. He's like got his knife. He's working away, digging into the hoof and stuff wow. like that. And it's it's the big horse too. And then they had like a farrier who made made shoes. Like they were putting on they're putting um a plate over the over the hoof with with um with like um like fabric or like whatever cloth that they've soaked with uh. Anti, you know, antibacterial or disinfectant or whatever. Sure. And they've squished it in there and then they put the plate down on it and then they hammer the shoe on it. So they're showing all this on the show. And so, but they have Robert Hardy, the actor, like with his foot and he's like digging away it. And, uh, but what's interesting is he could ride as well. Like there's some scenes of him riding a horse and he was a really good rider. Um, I don't think he jumped. There were some scenes where he's just, or Siegfried's supposed to be jumping, but I don't think they had the actor do that. But. So, so here's a question I've got is, um, so uh, you were a farrier back in the day. Sure. Uh, you you now are part of a family that has horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a farrier? Yes. And when you meet your farrier, I've never met the farrier, but you've never met the farrier. No. Okay. No, he comes like during the day. Like someone has to take like time off out of their day to go over and meet him. And- okay. If you did meet the farrier, would you bond over farrier things, or would you, or would you? W- by the way, would you reveal your identity as a former farrier, probably, or would you just, or would you just would. play it cool? I probably would, but in a very kind of downplayed sort of way because I, I can't. You don't keep, have like a handshake. I can't or something? horn to. Yeah, I know. And there's no clubhouse to go meet in. So okay, there's no farrier clubhouse. But uh, yeah, has it ever come up since where you've been able to give some advice or something of uh, with the, with the things you learned back in the day? Uh, not really. Not that I can think of. Okay. I mean, I, I used to do um, pony club lessons. I would do the farrier part. Oh, okay. When, for the kids. But uh, it's been a while since I did that as well. But yeah. Yeah. No, I never have uh, that I can think of. I just, I wouldn't feel qualified to... I didn't feel qualified when I did it. Sure. When I actually did the job, I didn't feel qualified to give any advice. What? Are you asking me questions? Um, yeah. So, I could... Like, I still know stuff about it, but... right. And one day, one day uh, we'll get it on the VR and we'll get you to do some farrier stuff. Like I know that that, that um, farrier on All Creatures Great and Small was a member. Of, what are they called? The Worshipful Worshipful Fellowship of Farriers or something like that. Okay, which is a very hard um, designation to get. Like a lot of North American farriers will go to the expense and trouble of getting that designation, like getting the British going through the British uh, farrier. Is there a Canadian program. equivalent? 
Not really. Okay. You can. We do have certification. Like you, you like you can be certified as a farrier, but you can work as a farrier that's not certified as well. How old were you when you were a farrier? Started when I was twenty-eight. I was twenty-eight to thirty-eight. Okay. I worked as a farrier, and then I stopped and said, "No more, no mass." I was heard to say. And the shoe went, but we're half, and the horse went, but we're halfway through my shoeing. And I went, nope, <laughs> nope, I'm done. done. Just walking away. I'm walking away from the life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of sad. There's a lot of customers that I liked a lot, and I, you know, I had to say to them, "I'm not going to do, not going to do this anymore." don't like it yeah then it's good that you're not doing it yep because you don't want a farrier that doesn't like being a farrier no you don't want someone who doesn't uh yeah isn't digging it doing your i don't want i don't want someone like uh i don't want a plumber that doesn't want to be a plumber well that is a plumber but yeah you wouldn't want a vet who didn't want to be a vet no no i don't want anyone like in my home like working on something who's like who doesn't want to who doesn't want like i understand there's certain things that are pleasant to do yeah certain things are not pleasant to do but i don't want anyone who's just like in here just like oh yeah, I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to be. Sure, you can you can have an off day or whatever, but yeah, and that's a problem with being a farrier is you can't, you shouldn't, and you can't. It's hard to have like an off day. Yeah, like go to a job and just be like, oh, boy, was I not in good, good, good place, good frame of mind for that day? Or yeah, whatever, I can't you know? think of any job like that. Like, I, I mean, obviously, a living animal that's a completely mm-hmm. different thing. Yeah, but I'm I'm now going with like just in my brain now plumbing. As in, as in, because there's a d- weird dismissive thing, you know, that we sometimes do, where it's just like, oh, you be a plumber, and then you just say it as like this thing. Yeah. But like, you know, when when a plumber comes in, it's usually like there's a little bit of a mystery of like, what's making that sound? What's going on here? And you want someone who like wants to solve the problem, yeah. who's interested in solving the problem, yeah. and not just, Ugh, okay, let's see, because <laughs> they're going to do the least amount possible, and yeah. you're going to be fucked, and then another thing's going to go wrong, because they're going to do half the thing, because yeah. they don't want to do the full thing, they just want to get the amount done that's the minimum, yeah. and there you go, and like with anything to do with uh, with anything. So yeah. you want someone who actually like cares about their job, enough to want to solve the mystery that's uh, at hand. Well, that makes sense, and I yeah, I wouldn't want to do a job that wasn't, that didn't have that element of like... I wouldn't say creative, but at least problem solving. Sure. Like that's what's fun to me is do a job that where it's just like, oh, this is a puzzle. We have to figure this yeah, out. Yeah, in your job, you've got to solve puzzles basically every day and then mm-hmm. you execute them and then and then people have something that they can use at the end of it yeah. and you've made things better for them. Yeah. Which is good. That's that's good for the spirit, I think. Like yeah, I guess. I well, guess. you know someone's gonna get like a garage door and they want that garage door and now things are better because they got a garage door. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and they get it packed well and they get it and it's like, oh good. You know, you make their lives easier. I think the problem with being a farrier is that all, all every single one of your clients is completely ungrateful. And oh, is in the horse or yeah, the horse does not care at all that you've done for what you've done for them. They're not interested at all. You know. And some of some of them will um put up with you, but none of them will appreciate you. You're making me think like Again, the difference between dogs and cats. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, a dog will continually tell you how much you're amazing. Sure. And so, you know, if you're that kind of person, it's, it's great to have a dog. Yeah. And I think, like, the first cat that realized I should purr really, <laughs> really made things better for cats. Sure. Right? Because up to that point, it's just like, why am I feeding this damn thing? It doesn't give a shit. Isn't and it then, like some sort of... Then uh, it comes and it just goes... And you're like, oh, <laughs> I'd move the world for you. Come here, you. <laughs> well, what did I do for you? Oh, you're on my lap, you you, 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 you are. Yeah. Yeah. If it didn't purr, fuck off. This asshole. What a jerk. Really? Don't Take it outside. Well, picture your cat not purring. It's weird, right? I know, but I like petting dogs and they don't they don't purr. No, but they're wagging their tail and they love you. I guess you. that's it. You Dog mean, is nothing but love. Yeah. I'll tell true. you, uh, and again, I still love my cat. 
But my cat went through a thing after uh, his uh, dental work where he was drugged up and was not purring. And mm-hmm. so he was not responding. And it was odd petting your cat. And I still was petting him because I knew he, he liked the affection. But like where he wasn't purring. Yeah. I was like, hmm, this is weird. <laughs> that would be weird. Yeah, it feels too. like you just get nothing. It feels like you're in a bad relationship. And saying to someone, I love you. And they're just staring at you dead-eyed. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Okay. But but if if it... I mean, in your in your scenario, we, we never have experienced purring before. Yeah. And then the one cat goes, I better purr. No, no, no. But I mean, if we were petting a cat and we never had had purring before, we were just petting it. Yeah. And it's just sitting in your lap. That, that wouldn't be so bad, I don't think. Guess so. The I, purring I mean, really, like, I seals the deal. I, I'm not, yeah. Makes your bones strong. <laughs> Makes their bones strong. Yeah. Uh, Both of our bones strong, apparently. Really? It improves your bones as well? Yeah, they say, that's one of the things they say. It's it's a healing thing for the cat, but it's also a good thing for you. It's oh, okay. Whatever frequency, you know, it's uh. good for your bones as well. So, you know, hmm. if you pet a cat on your lap, you're going to have a nice strong lap. <laughs> good. Just punch your lap as hard as you can well, after a me... cat gets off it. <laughs> see, what see if it breaks. <laughs> you're going to be fine. Uh, yeah, I'd, I, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I just, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you ever pet a hamster? Of course you don't. Why would you? Weird. <laughs> weird thing to do. I petted a hamster. I had a hamster. Yeah, you did a little a little finger on the thing, but you didn't take it, put it on your lap, and then no, like, rock back and forth. They weren't, they were not really super easy to train. Also, to you're just wait for them to safely. shit on you. Yeah, exactly. It's, have them it's a, it's a real that. shitting game. My, <laughs> uh, my sister used to have a rat, and it was a really cute... It was a cute rat. Sure. I, I, I liked him. He was fine. Except, you know, he'd just jizz on your arm. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And poop everywhere. I, that wasn't the problem. <laughs> there's something. There's something different. Like when a rat, you know, jizzes on your arm, and you're just like, no. What the hell was this to you? I was just petting you. What was it to? What was this to you? What were you thinking this was? <laughs> Where'd your mind go? We were having a nice time. It's not. And now all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. It was having a nicer time. I understand. <laughs> Were you waiting for this? I didn't this? even know that was a thing. Oh my god, is it a thing? Oh Ugh. boy. Yeah, sorry. That's a, that's 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 okay. <laughs> Started off about all creatures great and small and you took it there. To that's rat. what that's what all creatures great and small do. To rats. All go. creatures great and small do that. So don't <laughs> be fooling yourself. If you don't think horses do that, well, sir, you are mistaken. Anyway, it's it's pretty impressive. I kind of feel the same way I, f- I feel about the actors on Emergency. Some of the things they got them to yeah. do, I was you just shake your head at, it. and I feel the same way about All Creatures Great and Small. I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, uh, did they? Um, I hope they would, like were given a letter telling explaining what they would be doing on the show. Like, you will have to stick your arm inside inside of cows, and also you will be performing live births on camera, and occasionally you may have to kiss a girl. Occasionally may have to kiss. Well, that's Tristan. You may have to eat a British breakfast while doing a scene. Tink, tink, tink. <laughs> and okay. they eat, too. Yeah. Oh, oh. You hear what actors, you know, they're, they're like, oh, you can't eat on set. You just have to pretend to eat. No, they eat. Yeah. They, they, they eat their food. They probably do have a spit bucket next to them. There's only so much blood pudding you can take in a dramatic scene. Oh, out. <laughs> I wonder if, I wonder if for someone like Robert Hardy or... Peter, I guess Peter Davison's a little different that he did Doctor Who after doing All Creatures Great and Small. Okay. Or did he do them simultaneously? Well, what's interesting is John Nathan Turner, who became the producer of Doctor Who, is uh, was was uh, worked on All Creatures Great and Small. So that must be where he 
the Davidson to Doctor Who connection would be there. Okay. But I wonder if, like, it just seems, like, it feels like with Robert Hardy, like, I, he, he was in All Creatures Great and Small. I remember him being, doing, playing uh, Winston Churchill in a, like, Masterpiece Theater um, sort of biography thing of Winston Churchill. And then no, not knowing anything more about him until he was Cornelius Fudge in the Harry Potter movies. But it just feels like that can't be right. Like, he must have worked steadily after that, but. Yeah, why I'm looking for I'm looking for Peter Davidson the uh, the actor and I'm yeah. not seeing him in this list. I'm getting the general counsel of the United States Department of Commerce. I'm getting Pete Davidson, the American comedian. Yeah. I'm getting the song Pete Davidson from Aria Grande. I'm getting Peter Davidson, the comic artist on what British comic strip? Peter Davidson? Yeah. Draws is the creator of what British comic strip? That you would you would see I don't I'm not sure it was in the Dandy or the Beano, but he created one oh, of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to guess that it was um, Lord Snooty. It was Desperate Dan. Oh, darn it. I can't remember his name. All right. This is weird. So I'm going, I'm going, to, go to, I'm going to go to Doctor Who. That's, the, that's going to be the easiest way of going about yeah, this. Yeah, and then search for the fifth doctor. Is he the fifth doctor? Yeah, there we go. Peter Davidson, fifth doctor. Okay, and now I'm going down to his... Uh, he is pretty good as the doctor. I would say those shows suffered more from the producer than they did from the performer all creatures creatures great and small he did from 78 to well that's not right to what <laughs> 78 to 1990 that's not correct at all well it was on in the air for 11 seasons all right well that's correct then so <laughs> he did 65 episodes and he must he did, have he did doctor who from 81 to 84 he and must he have been a bit spottier in his in his appearances did he do more doctor who episodes or more all creatures great and small episodes I would say he did more All Creatures Great and Small episodes. He did less. Really? 65 episodes of All Creatures Great and Small, yeah. 70 episodes of Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. I guess I guess I was thinking in terms of, because I always watch them as like one movie, like one right. one, one thing. Of course, you, you most know Peter Davidson from his appearance on uh, Magnum P.I., where he played <laughs> Ian Macaris. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where I first saw him, I guess. Yep. There you are. Magnum P.I. And then, uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, did he, I know he did that uh, uh, one little uh, appearance with uh, David Tennant, you know, as uh, the two doctors. They okay. did a little back and forth. Okay. I'm just trying to think if he did any other um, any other Doctor Whoing after that, or if that was it. I don't know. Hmm? I, you saw him at a, at a fan thing, right? You saw yeah. him at a con. I saw him in, 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 in Life. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, but that doesn't count as being Doctor Who. No, no. But I'm just saying. He... Even though I called him nothing but the Doctor through the whole thing, hey, Doctor. <laughs> Can you look at this thing on my arm? It's I'm not that kind of Doctor. <laughs> like, where's your accent go? I don't know. Just faking it. I was just being a fakey faker. He was yeah. in Wuthering Heights. Hmm. I bet he played. Who did he play? He played. Um. Is it Lytton? Linden? Linden? Some kind of name like that. Uh, Lockwood. Oh, I don't know who that character Joseph is. Joseph Lockwood. Okay. Oh. But yeah, he was in, yeah, Time Crash was the episode of Doctor Who that uh, he did. Mm-hmm. He was uh, the lonely detective for a while. Okay. Here's a question. Oh, this is a deep freaking cut. Okay. Too deep. All right. Won't That's... get it. All right. Will not get it. Okay. Uh, he was in Sherlock. He was. He was in Sherlock, uh, uh, but he wasn't in Sherlock. But he was, but he wasn't. So that's, that's a tricky question. What okay. did he play in Sherlock? It was in the episode The Great Game. Oh, okay. Is that like for the last season, the one that I didn't see? This is a good question. 
The Great Game is the third and final episode of the first series oh. of the television show Sherlock. He played. He's in it, but he's not in it. Yeah. I'll give you this. He's a voice. Yeah, yeah. He's was, a voice of what? Is he... <laughs> is he like... Uh, okay, I'll, he's a voice of the weather weather station. He is a planetarium voice. Planetarium voice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Guess that's money in the pocket. All right. Can't Would hurt. you say he was ever in The Thunderbirds? The TV show The Thunderbirds? The remake of The Thunderbirds. Oh, so he did a voice for that. Yes, he did. Thunderbirds are go. He was Higgins. <laughs> So did he do a fake American accent for that show? I don't know. I hope he did it like the old British show where they speak like, I'm an American. He's in all the shows you think. He's in Midsummer Murders. He's in Call the Midwife. Yeah. He's an actor. He's a working actor. Yeah, he's a working uh, He's a working actor. He's in Toast of London. Oh, he's in everything. Yeah, That's... good for him. And he was a really sweet guy when uh, I briefly uh, met him. He was, he was who you wanted him to be. And sure. There was, there was a screw up. Yeah. That was going on at, in the con, and there was a huge lineup outside, and it was cold. Yeah. And he went, yeah. And he went out, and he just started talking to people on the line. Wow. And just was just chatting them all up. I was like, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on? What are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Hey, buddy. And just, yeah, worked the line. and was just a real sweetheart. Wow. Because he went like, yeah, they're out there in the cold. I'm going to go talk to him. Huh. You know why? Because he's Peter Dam Davidson. He is. He is. I don't think they are married anymore, but his first wife was, was in... Uh, the TV version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. What did she play? She played... I can only think of one female character. Was that her? Yes. The 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 companion of... Uh, Zephod. Zephod or whatever his name was. Yeah. Remember. The one who was played by Zoe Deschanel in the... Um, okay. In the uh, remake. The movie? The movie version? Yeah. Yeah. The movie that exists. People go, they didn't make a movie of that. They did. It exists. It's over there. But the girls love that movie. Great. Then it, then it did its job. It did its job. I mean, they like it a lot. Hey, by the way, speaking of movies. Yeah. I don't want to bum me out, but uh, there's no way I'm seeing that uh, new Marvel movie. And I just the wanna... new Spider-Man? You're not going to see Spider-Man? Wait a second. Is it a fact? It's a fact. Tradition. Your favorite character. Your Tradition. Favorite, your favorite superhero character is. Tradition. Tradition. <laughs> You're right. We can't go. For 10 years, we've done the stupid joke <laughs> where we don't see the Marvel movies, what we say. And then the next week, we come back and we've seen them, even if it's Eternals. <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. Yep. That's true. Even, even the Eternals we went and saw. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way I'm seeing my favorite character <laughs> in a Marvel movie. In a Marvel movie? No, the no final, way. the third and final film of the trilogy? Well, I mean... We well, there'll it. never be another like it. That's right. They're not going to... I mean, if there's money to be made, they're just going to go, nope, you know they're gonna what? Say, no, it's about the art. It's just, we don't... Commerce be damned. That's what they will say. These reboots are made for walking. Yeah. <laughs> art for art's sake. Mm-hmm. As the uh, lion said Arts in MGM. Groton Carney. Ars, <laughs> cheese, gratana, carny. That's right. <laughs> Arts, gratin, farty, and so on. No, I'm I'm down with it, and I, and I have so far. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm gonna get steamed if they do this one little thing. Oh, um, don't you hate that? Yes. Gonna, 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 it's gonna be it. like before. The oh, actual, so yeah, awful. Before the movie, they're like, Boo. "Hi, you're about uh, to see this movie. Would you oh. like some trivia questions about uh, the movie?" Uh, Peter's biggest fear is, is realized <laughs> when he finds out his Uncle Ben was really a spider. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, go! Stop no, it! Oh, is this directed by Denny Villeneuve? It might be good. There was a little bit of me that was like, uh, oh, I hope they don't actually have anything in like Hawkeye to spoil any of this stuff. Well, of course they won't. But then there was something mentioned in Hawkeye like yesterday that was just like, 
That's not a spoiler. Didn't see it. That's not a spoiler, but that's a small reference. Didn't Guys, see it. Guys, that's a reference. Avoiding it this week. I did not realize that Bert and Birdie, who've been directing the last few episodes, were women. Female, oh, no. A female directing team. Oh, yeah. no. That lessens me as a man. <laughs> I feel emasculated. I don't know what to do now. They did which, that one shot. Which, which bathroom do I pee in then? <laughs> they did a one shot car chase. That can't be right. I don't get that at all. It's so good. It's okay. I went and I went and watched some Critical Drinker YouTube videos. It made me feel a lot better. Good. Ugh. Me and him, we both hate women in movies. Yeah, you know what? I got to go watch some Joe Rogan. Excuse me. <laughs> you know what? Medicine is dumb. And I shouldn't ever rest. That's that's not letting myself be hard. That's yeah. soft man things. Yeah. I don't want to be a soft man, Dave. No, I don't want to be a soft man. Yeah, you know what women don't like? They don't like it when you're soft. Like when you're still, they're sleeping on sure. you? They yeah. want you to be hard as a rock. That's right. They <laughs> want you to be like a diamond because women to... like sleeping on a nice rock. Yeah, multifaceted rock. That's what they like. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. That's uh, And that's what it's all about. What a dumb dumb. Um, <laughs> I don't really know very much about him. I, I've heard some of his stand up on that uh, radio station. Mm. That's pretty been my reaction to it as well. Hmm. Yeah, he talks. Yeah, he's very strong. He looks like he works out. I th- yeah, it's weird that he went from being a fairly good looking guy on news radio to to turning into a potato. Like, that's a real well. He also life change. Um, his character on news radio was. A crazy conspiracy theorist. I don't remember that. And then he decided okay. to, uh, let's make that my life. Okay. I'll be that. But also really muscular, so people can't call me out on it because they'll, yeah. they'll think, like, maybe he'll beat me up. Sure. He, I'm scared because he might beat me up because he's think very the, muscly. I think the muscly thing came from his his interest in MMA, which is why he's also a, a um, like, this color commentary Mixed stuff. Uh, marital aids. Mixed marital aids. That's right. Yes. Yes. He... Uh, Holds one in his hand and talks to people. Yeah. It's like a shake wake that's like a yeah. dildo as well. You think, oh, he's got a microphone. Oh, that's not a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did brag about being able to pleasure himself. Ooh. So maybe he doesn't I don't, need any of I, that I missed this. Which is a weird thing because one, okay, yeah. look. Everyone can do that? Well, once. Um, <laughs> if you don't mind snapping your spine. but like, Oh, he, that? Yes. The tube snake. Mm. You know, the plastic <laughs> Or hoop snake. It's got a name. Whatever, right. whatever it is. But, all, okay, first of all, I don't like the fact that I know that. I'm sorry to be passing that along to yeah. everyone here. That's just information that should not be passed along. <laughs> but in when in the show... Yeah. In our when, show? No, no. When in his oh. show yeah. did that get brought up? What yeah. led to... The first episode. Yeah, first episode. Yeah. Probably 15 minutes in, brought it up. Yeah. You might be wondering why you can't hear me clearly. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I have my penis in my mouth. Oh, it's called Erkolgrahushner. You know what? Yeah. It's been 10 years, and maybe that's enough. <laughs> maybe that's enough. I'll, I'll see you after this. You brought it up. And and the one thing that we did say when we started yeah. was, yeah. let's make sure we don't do that really cheap thing of having reoccurring segments. Because people hate that, and we hate that. <laughs> we, hey, Dave, are you doing Dark Shadows this I week? I am doing Dark Shadows this week. <laughs> Like normal? <laughs> Just like every every two weeks. Okay, well, let's do that because like we got to not see a movie in an hour and a bit. Okay. Um, let's get on with that then. Uh, now, you left your uh, notebook uh, here last uh, week, this so is, were you able to uh, write down notes? Yeah, this is my, this is my um, notebook that I use to write the show notes in. Okay. This is my notebook I use to write the Dark Shadows. Very good. So uh, Dave has been uh, watching on Tubi. Uh, old episodes of Dark Shadows, those of you who don't know what that is, it's a soap opera that involves a vampire from the 60s, 
and it was very popular, and for some reason, we're talking about it. Why? <laughs> I don't remember. Much like Joe Rogan's uh, bragging about his thing, I don't know how we got here. I don't know how we're getting out of it. But we're here. So uh, every week we've been talking uh, about the episodes. What episode number are you on currently, Dave? Oh, somewhere in the 700s. Somewhere in the 700s. Early 700s, like 703, 704. All right, so if you want to to watch along with Dave, uh, go to Tubi. It's free, unless you want to pay extra, in which case they knock out the commercials. They they offer us no money for this. Uh, We should get money for this now I'm thinking about it. We're really plugging Tubi a lot. Um, And now uh, Dave will get you up to speed on the world of Dark Shadows in a segment called Dork Shadows. Here we go with Dork Shadow. Blah, blah. <laughs> Indeed. All right. I'm going to read and take off my glasses. So if everyone remembers last episode, uh, Barnabas, I didn't really Oh, understand. it was a big twist last time. It was a big cliffhanger. Yeah. Oh, I, don't, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what, I don't remember, I didn't really understand what happened, but I kind of got it when I was watching it a bit farther. Okay. And that is that, if you remember, Barnabas used, a, you know, a famous book of, of, uh, divination the I Ching, for what it's actually for which is to take your spirit you take your body your astral your astral self or whatever and project that into another time okay that is what the that's what the I Ching is about as we as we all know this is well established yeah and so i didn't understand but what so what happens is that barnabas is in a trance in 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 the present okay time of of the story but in the past he has projected his astral self into himself in the coffin. So that's where he okay. wakes up as Barnabas okay. in, in the coffin. That's why he's chained in the coffin All right. in the past. So is his astral self his soul? I guess so. I thought vampires didn't have a soul. Hey, I don't write the rules. Okay, very good. Or rewrite them. All or right. make them up as they go along. Okay, very good. Because, you know, we have a werewolf on this show that is, been, is changing when the, sun, <laughs> the moon is not up. Ugh. Into a werewolf. Yeah. You know. I got questions. Well, they, they, their feeling is, you know what? Their feeling is, we got to get a show up out today. We have to do this five days a week. So whatever is it's a, whatever. It's also really, you know, we're getting close to the, if you can't be with the one you want, love the one you're with. Oh, uh, Stephen Sills. Right. And so I'm feeling like they're really loosey-goosey with the rules and whatever, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like if you can't be under the full moon, hey, man, just be a werewolf if you want to. <laughs> just let it all let it all. Yeah, let it all, let it all hang out. Yeah. Pina colada song. Go cheat on your <laughs> wife. It's all fine. Loosey-goosey. Astral, sure. project yourself from the past to the future. Yeah. Make yourself a vampire. Who's so, judging? So if you remember last episode, uh, <laughs> Sandor, the gypsy... Right, which uh, yes was the word at the time. Yes, okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know an equivalent word. Yeah, I got to find what the word is because we got to. Di- what's we the gotta, new word? We got to stop using that word. <laughs> what's the new word? So, the Sandor the gypsy uh, okay. finds finds the, the 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 room. He's like there's because remember like Ma- Magda, his wife, gypsy wife. She uh, <laughs> she has looked into her crystal ball and seen how to get into the secret room in the mausoleum. And then thinking that there are jewels there, Sandor goes to to get the jewels. Okay. And then he goes into this room. He fi- opens the door to the room and he finds this chain coffin. And his first thought is, I should get the hell out of here because this is crazy. His second thought is, but then Magda will be mad at me. And she'll say, what, you fool? That's where the jewels were. Right. By the way, uh, let's use the term Roma if we can. Roma. Okay, Roma. sure. There we go. Sure. By the way, the first thing I looked up, it yeah. was like, what are gypsy moths called now? Oh, I'm like, Roma moths. I don't know what they're called. I didn't look there because I, I didn't need that information. Oh, uh, 
uh, Lymantra Dispar. No one's calling him that. That's not helping. <laughs> That's not helping. But anyway, Roma is the right uh, okay. term currently. Okay. okay. Continue. So, um, <laughs> so then the thing is, though, when he opens the, the chains, when Sandor opens the chain, chains of the coffin, he uses this dagger. Oh, that's he a, pulls like a dagger yeah. and then he like cuts the chains. I'm like, whoa, that is that's quite the dagger. Yeah. Also, you're gonna break your dagger. That's bad use. Of he dagger. doesn't break his dagger. It's okay. perfectly fine. The chains break like nothing. Like huh. as if they're just mere plastic. Okay. They break. Uh, but as we mentioned last time, when the when he opens the coffin to get these family jewels, <laughs> he discovers <laughs> he discovers a vampire who grabs him by the throat. Oh, oh, he must be so thirsty. He hasn't like eaten in yes. a season. Barnabas, now a vampire, attacks Sandor. Okay, but he's got his uh, he's got his uh, knife that can go through chains. No, no. When one faces a vampire, one immediately drops a knife. Oh, but it it's good. oh come on. He drops a knife. That's classic vampire mistake. <laughs> on the ground, and uh, Barnabas attacks Sandor, bites his throat. Ooh, he's thirsty. Yeah, he's been in the coffin for a while. So long. And now, of course, Sandor is under his control. Oh, okay, fair enough. He but, doesn't drain Sandor. He just it like it's not as dramatic. Controlling thing. If you remember way back in the past, when Willie, when Willie discovered uh, Barnabas. No, wait a second. Was Willie also looking for the family jewels? He also was looking for the family jewels. <laughs> Willie was. Yeah, Willie was. Yeah. Okay. Anytime you find the family jewels, you're going to find yeah. Willie nearby. That's just right. Just hanging around. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he'll just be he'll be nearby. All right. Very close. Sacked out. He can- <laughs> He cannot, he can't help it. He just, he loves the family jewels so much. He's always close to them. Yeah. So not as much as uh, Joe Rogan. No. No one loves family jewels as much as he does, apparently. Any, anywho. So Sandor is now in the power of, of Barnabas. So Barnabas uh, makes him, makes him uh, do whatever. Anyway, so Magna. So Ma- they kind of cut, they cut away from this. We've enough of this stuff. They say, so we see Magna, his wife. She arrives at Collinwood. Uh, and she comes into the house where she's immediately grabbed by the, by the throat by Quentin. Oh, because if you don't know by now that Quentin is a villain, but uh, a lot of throat grabbing. In but this. he's a very charming villain. He's one of those kind of guys that's like I got a lot of funny things to say and also be violent to women. Yeah. So then um, we learn that Edward threw him out, and Magda doesn't seem very scared of him. But Quentin attempts to bribe Magda. Uh, but when she doesn't really, when she's like, well, show me the money, honey. And he's like, well, I don't have it now. But when I get it, I'll give you some. She's like, that is not the kind of money I, I accept. I don't, ac- right. I don't accept air. So um, then yeah, he, he goes, how about Bitcoin? That's <laughs> what a vampire would use. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. There also is Batcoin now, right? So sure. That's good. So either. All, you can use all, Bit or Batcoin. Yeah, both, all, are both, are, both are fine. So uh, Quentin, so he, I, so um, he tries to bribe her, okay, uh, but like she's not going for it. But he wants to do. So then he tries to like force her, like to like uh. physically. He wants her to help him, like kind of worm his way into his grandmother's affection. So he wants Mag Magda to use like the cards, like to take the cards out and tell Edith, his his grandmother, Edith um, Collins, that he is a changed man, <laughs> and she's like. You know, I might have a little influence with your with your grandmother, but I don't have that much influence. So she's going to believe that kind of story that you're a changed yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, back at the mausoleum, <laughs> Sandor, now in Barnabas's control, tells him things are looking grave. It's 1897. Oh, which Barnabas did not realize until now. He didn't see the wall calendar like we did in the first episode of this uh, of this particular uh, storyline. So Barnabas 
in his mind. Because th- th- what I love about the show is that people think in their head. They don't talk out loud. They don't go, really, 1897? I wonder what's happening with my body right now. That's strange. No, they think in their head. And he does that. He, he's like, if I'm here. So you're just hearing a voiceover. Yeah. And he's thinking, he's like looking off or whatever. And it's this thing. He's like, if I'm here, what's going on with my body? Is it sitting there with, with Julia and, and Professor Stokes? By the way, this is very smart when you don't want to have to get people to memorize a lot of shit. Is record yeah. their dialogue ahead yeah, of time yeah. and just have it play while they're looking up and nodding. Especially uh, with John and Freed, who, as we talked before, had a form of dyslexia. Like, so he could memorize plays and stuff like that, but it took him a long time to get there. Sure. So doing a show that he was cast to do, this, which required daily memorization of scripts, was very hard for him. Uh, yeah, so he's trapped in the past. And so he's also wondering, how can I help David? Because the whole reason he was doing this was to gain access to Quentin to, to find out where David was. Right. But instead of getting that, he's now back in the past. Um, so yeah, he's kind of wondering what's going on with, so Barnabas mentions Beth to Sandor and Sandor is confused because he's like, well, how do you know who Beth is? You've been inside a, <laughs> inside a coffin. And he's like, well, never mind that. <laughs> we got to, uh, we'll figure it, you know. So we go back to Collinwood. Uh, Quentin now, now, like, so Magda is leaving and Quentin confronts her as she leaves. And, uh, she says, well, the cards might have mentioned you, but she's very, very coy about what they could have said. Uh, but as they're talking, we meet Quentin's sister, Judith, who comes down the stairs. Uh, Judith is played by Joan Bennett, better known in the show as Elizabeth uh, Stoddard. And so kind of the matriarch of the family. But in this one, she's playing Judith, who's Quentin's sister in the show. So um, now, of course, she knows to her, Magda is nothing but a, a phony, a phony fortune teller who has wormed her way into her grandmother's trust and is is trying to get money out of her. And so she basically shoes her away. Uh, then she insists that Quentin come into the drawing room. She shuts the door so Beth can't hear her, and she attempts to buy off Quentin. She basically offers him $1,000 okay. if he will leave. And, and then he's like, $1,000? And she's like, I can also write you a check for $500. She says, I have $1,000 in cash. I'll write you a check for $500. That is more than you will get in the will. And he's like, well, how do you know? Have you seen the will? She says, I haven't seen the will, but come on, let's come face on. it. You are the black sheep of the family. You're not going to get much. But Quentin refuses the money yeah. and demands to see Jameson. Um, Should have taken the money. And she tells, she tells her that if Jameson tells him to leave, he will. Mm. So now uh, we return to the, the old house. And Barnabas is, of course, see, you know, in his mind, it's either... The future version of the old house, which he has had him and Willie have fixed up into a pretty nice version of the original old house that he knew as a, as a young man. Or, or he thinks about the, the old house as the version he knew as a young man. So he sees this big mess of a old, you know, of a, a house that people haven't lived in for, for years and years. And now these, these people have taken up, uh, you know, Sandor and, and Magda have taken up residence in it. They're just sort of living in it. They don't care about it, though, of course, because they don't want to be here for, for forever. They're just trying to get, worm some money out of these people yeah. and get it, get it back on the road. They're worms. They're wormers. <laughs> They're wormers. So, so, um, wormers originals. And then we cut back okay. to Collinwood. There's a lot of cutting back and forth because you need to get people into rooms. So then, uh, <laughs> you know, you need to have, cause, um, the actress playing Magda, Grayson Hall, she needs to get from Collinwood to the old house set. So they need to have like a little in-between cuts, right? So we cut to Barnabas, and then we'll cut back to Collinwood. And now we meet Jameson. Jameson comes down. Jameson is a young man, played by David Hennessy, better known as David Collins. 
So everyone, everyone who's in Dark Shadows, don't worry, everybody. They're all back. They're all they're still here. They haven't left the show because they've gone in the past. They're all just playing different characters, which I love. I know that a lot of this because they already were contract players and, you know, whatever. But I just love that they just keep using these same actors. I just think it's great. And it's great for the actors, too. Like, if you get tired of playing a character who maybe isn't doing that much, like Elizabeth Collins, has been, or Stoddard, has not been doing that very much. Like, what she was in the show kind of changed with the arrival of Barnabas, obviously. And then the arrival of, of Julia Hoffman really kind of set everything on a kilter because those two characters are such powerful characters and the actors play those roles so so well that really it kind of unbalanced the show into that into that into those characters so a lot of the longtime cast are not they're not on the show for days on end sometimes you know but anywho so um so jameson enters the drawing room and is confused to find no one there and he's like hello what's going on and then quentin jumps out from behind the door <laughs> and grabs surprises his neck. him yeah grabs his neck <laughs> Surprised him, and he gives Jameson a toy toy boat that actually has his name on it. It's a Jameson Colin Collins boat. He gives it to him, and and a happy Jameson tells Judith that he won't tell Quentin to go away. So obviously Judith said, "I want you to go in there and tell Quentin yeah. to go away." By the way, good on you for saying toy boat because that's a vocal warm up, and it's very difficult to say that. I said it correctly. I'm not going to yeah. try again because I will not nope. say it properly. Right? No, I I screwed up when I was just trying to say it just now. But I do have a sour candy. In a, my to- mouth. a toy boat. So then. Oh, yeah, she says, I won't tell Quentin to go away. I won't. I won't. <laughs> so Judith tells Quentin that she now knows that he didn't come back to get grandmother's money. He came back to ruin Jameson. Oh, da, da. <laughs> Magda returns to the old house. At first, she is excited to see Sandor and hear about the jewels. Oh, Sandor, tell me all about the jewels. You get to do lots of accents and sure. big gestures, of course. Uh, she's less excited. To see Barnabas, who sternly demands changes. He's like, this house is a mess. I want this place cleaned up. She's like, who are you? There's a knock at the door. I'm unexpected company. Yes. Remember me from the 60s? Sometimes unexpected company comes by and you've got to give me a snack. (laughs) Clean up the place. And Barnabas skulks away off off camera. It's Quentin. And Magda is even less excited to see him. Uh, They seem kind of ill at ease. Okay. Sandus, you know, Sandor, of course, is very ill at ease. He just got bitten by a vampire. And yeah. Magda is confused by this person. He just found out he's called a Roma. He didn't know that. Yeah, he didn't know that. It's he a was, new word. It's hard for to For so use. long, I was a gypsy. Now I'm a Roma. What's yeah, there you go. I thought I was a Romani. Uh, so then, uh, like I say, he's suspicious, but Sandor and Magda are able to convince him that everything is okay and he leaves. So basically, he just came there just to further on his, like, you know, I want you to, like, you know, build me up to my grandmother so, you know, she'll... <laughs> Tell him because what he really wants to know, yeah, is there's a big family secret, and he wants to know what this family secret is because okay. obviously the family secret is we got a bunch of jewels and they're inside a chain oh, coffin okay. or whatever you know like we're gonna find out about this family secret isn't like hemophilia or something. No, I don't. Okay. I don't think it's that exciting to find out about. Yeah, all right. And maybe you should not make that a family secret, but tell everyone about it so that you, you can be treated should, properly. Especially because vampires. Are well, yeah, you know, if you start, you get cut or you know anything happens, you need to know these yeah, things. Yeah. Also, then you sort of know maybe I'm part of the royal family. Yeah, you yeah. Know that way because they got that a lot. Sure. Yeah, I'm not making fun of hemophilia, by the way, everybody. He's, I'm on. I'm on blood thinners. Okay. He's so. laughing about it. I'm yeah. Laughing about it. And think about poor Barnabas. Mm. Drinking hemophiliac's blood. Yeah. It's very un- unsatisfying. It's basically skim milk for vampires. <laughs> so then um, Magna tries to uh, grill Sander about Barnabas, but to, and to her horror, she discovers the bite marks. So she knows that he is a vampire, which is the proper pronunciation. Yeah. If you're from those. Vampire. Vampire. <laughs> so, uh, so then 
Barnabas basically approaches her very threatening, and she runs outside where she is tormented by a plastic bat for a brief moment or two. <laughs> so then, so uh, Barnabas basically tells her that... It's careful, you get plastic rabies from that. He's like, you're going to do, you're going to obey me and do my will. And she's like, why will I do that? And she's like, because I have your husband under my control, and if you don't, I will kill him. Hmm? And she's like, well, you make a persuasive argument, sir. And now that, so they're under oh, his control. Oh no, not my husband, no. But he tells Magda that he knows... <laughs> <laughs> she tells he tells Magda that he knows but more importantly yes you're right you're probably right yeah oh dear don't hurt no he also <laughs> tells her I know so. where the family jewels are ah okay and he points at his no he doesn't he points at Willie he points at Willie Willie's like what <laughs> and that's just a tip <laughs> uh, he gives her a small jewel <laughs> as sort of a sort of a down payment for their cooperation and protection. Because basically he tells them, I see I'm trying to like talk over your... Sure, sure. I know you're having fun over there. I am. Family it's jewels. nice. It's fun. It's great. No, no, I love it. We're having a good time. I do. I love it. I love it. I am smiling, everyone. I know I sound like I'm all business, but you know, we're going to a movie. I just want to get through this. <laughs> so then, uh, yeah. So he basically says to them, you know, you need to like look after me during the day and keep me safe. Otherwise, and if you try to kill me, I'll kill you. <laughs> and you're like, well, what if they come during the day and try to kill you? Then it's not much you can do. You're sleeping. No, no, no. I'll still, yeah. It feels like he's, I don't yeah. know, doesn't... What if someone comes after you with a knife that can cut through chains? Oh, they'll drop it. <laughs> drop it like it's hot. So Quentin wants to know his grandmother's secret, as I said, and Barnabas wants to know why he wants to know that secret. So he's really curious about what's going on here. So, And really, I'll tell you right now, Mag- Magda and Sandor are curious, and then everyone wants to know about the secret. Everyone wants to know the secret. They know there's a secret. Yeah. There's no secret that there's a secret. Mm-hmm. But what the secret is, is the secret, if you understand what I'm saying. Maybe it's the book, The Secret. It could be. It could be. It could be they a just book. want to manifest their own destiny. Yeah, yeah. And get a date. Everyone, everyone. No one wants to be lonely. No, of course not. No one's lonely. There's than a lid Barnabas. for every pot, even if you're a werewolf. That's what I say. So, you know, so Magda, Magda does have like a, she has it in with, with in, in a Collinwood, which is Edith Collins, the grandmother. She's her spiritual advisor. But even she doesn't know what the secret is. And, you know, so it's a secret. Maybe it's a secret for a reason. Maybe. It's only for Edward to know. Okay. That's all we know. Uh, now, Barnabas, you know, they're like, well, how? He's like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to, you know, introduce myself to the family. They're like, well, what are you going to do? He's gonna, I'm going to go there yeah. and tell them I'm uh, an English cousin. And uh, a distant, you know, distant cousin. I'm going to come there. I'm, you're like, well, this is this worked the first time, so I guess why not go go sure. again? Like this also sounds like an art house '80s movie. His mo merchant uh, ivory, merchant like, ivory thing, yeah. yeah. With uh, the, uh, Julian the Sands, Briti- the British cousin. Julian Sands is in it with um, with um, uh, obviously, oh, what's her name? The wife of she used to be married to Tim Burton, the British actress. Yeah, yeah, Helena Bonham. Yeah, Carter. Helena Bonham Carter is going to be in it. Maggie Smith. Obviously, right. It's going to be in it. Richard E. Grant, a young Richard E. Grant, right, young Richard E. Grant, and then too young, actually, younger than he should be. <laughs> Disturbingly young. Yeah, yeah. Basically, everyone from Withnail and I is in it. Okay, sure. Yeah, including the guy from uh, Rumpel of the Bailey, Louis, uh, Leo McKern. Yeah, he's in it. Okay, sure, sure, sure. 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 I'll, I'll accept him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and also uh, whatever that uh, Digby, the biggest dog in the world. He's also in it. He's also in it. Yeah, a common. I love him in a room with a view. And desperate Dan. <laughs> and Lord Snooty, yeah, who of just, course, was who Helena Bonham Carter meets in a room with a view in Venice, as we all know that famous scene where she runs into Lord Snooty. Right. Anywho, anyway, prick up your ears <laughs> for the family jewels. 
<laughs> now, uh, Judith, we learn, has forbidden Quentin from seeing his grandmother. So basically, she's like, Grandma's too sick. You can't go see him. You can't disturb him. You can't disturb her. Yeah. Not him, her. It's grandmother. Uh, you, you know, just leave her alone. You know, blah, blah, blah. So Quentin's yeah. kind of like, well, but, uh, you know. She also refuses to allow Magda to see Edith. Oh. Magda says, I have a warning. I have a warning for Edith. Uh, but so, but um, Judith is not having it because, of course, she thinks that she's a, a phony baloney. Sure. But Quentin convinces Magda to tell them the warning. So Magda warns them about the arrival of Barnabas, mm. posing as a friend relative. She says, a man is going to come here who will tell you he is your friend or relative. Okay. Do not trust this man. This man is not your friend. This man is not your relative. He is a danger. He is a monster. But this man will also have the most to lose, she tells them. Now, Beth is eavesdropping on this conversation. Why, at this point, we don't know, but she is. She is. Judith pronounces this warning rubbish. It's a word I love. Then Quentin drops in on Beth. Mm. She's going to town. Are you, he says. You know, he's saying this while he's twisting her arm and pushing around the room. Yeah. He opens her purse and looks inside and finds $300. He accuses her of being a thief. He says, there's no way you could have this money. You must have stolen it. She says, I saved this money. He then attempts to open the bundle she's carrying, but she stops him. Then he says, oh, I know how you made your money. How, how are you? Uh, how's that? And he says, well, you've been, uh, you know, a special friend of my brother, Edward. Oh, come now. That's <laughs> out of line. She slaps him. Good. And well done. He grabs her violently by the wrist and he uh. says, don't slap me. And she says, well, then don't make me. Oh. Which is a good little back and forth. She then tells him that she's going to Collinsport to meet a man who is a real gentleman. Unlike you, you uncouth baboon. No, she doesn't say that. <laughs> I was editorializing. <laughs> There's a knock at the door and Judith discovers the man that Magda warned them about. He introduces himself as Barnabas Collins. Huh? A distant cousin. Let me just turn a page, everyone. Don't trust the person who says they're your friend. But if someone <laughs> comes and goes, I'm going to murder you, marry them. <laughs> Judith, who, of course, felt that pr- pronounced Magda's warning as rubbish, invites, politely invites him in. Oh. She brings Quentin down. Okay. And points out the portrait of Barnabas in the foyer. They converse politely, and when Judith leaves to prepare tea... Quentin and Barnabas continue to, to, to chat. Barnabas explains that he is of the English branch of the family and arrived that afternoon. And uh, Quentin asks him, what boat did you come on? And he says the name of the boat that it came in at 4.30 that afternoon. And Quentin's like, oh, I see. <laughs> and then Barnabas is looking off and he's like, I don't see any portraits of Joshua Collins. And, I, you know, he's talking about, I see you have a lot of portraits of the family here. I don't see any of Joshua Collins, his father. Okay. Barnabas's father. And... Uh, Quentin says, no, the, the, uh, he says, I believe those, there's a portrait in the West Wing. And then Quentin turns back to look at him, and he finds himself nose to tip uh-huh. with a family jewels. No, with a, <laughs> with a sword, with, a, with an epée that Quentin has drawn from the wall. And Quentin uh, says, you have, he said, I, says, I have just returned from England. I spent six months there, sir. And I found no English branch of the Collins family there. Oh. You have five minutes. To explain who you are, or I will run you through. Or play Got Your Nose. Bum, bum, the hard bum. way. No, that is actually very dramatic. So then we, that's what the course was the, the episode, you know, ender. Yeah. We could, we'd come back again. Okay. Cue stare down. All right. Two guys looking at each other. And let me just tell you that David Selby, who plays Quentin, and played him mute for many, many weeks on the show, is really good at the stare down. 
as is as is uh, Barnabas because he's vampire again, so he's got the vampire eyeliner. Yeah, you know, all around his eyes. It's also so. good because he doesn't have to have lines when he's doing a stare That's down. That's right. He doesn't <laughs> does not need to be looking panic in a panicked way at the. Uh, at the, at the monitor. The key, well, they didn't use cue cards. They actually used the monitor. So they okay. had it written down. They had the script there. Um, cue double bluff. I guess, or, or double down, I should say, maybe say by Barnabas. Double Dutch. Is, uh, he says, you, you know, he says, well, uh, perhaps when you were in England, my, my branch of the family saw you're the sort of man who would draw a sword on, an, uh, on a, oh. a man behind his back and didn't think you were worth contacting. Mm. And Quentin is unconvinced. And they argue. And then Judith enters and pretty much is like, put that sword away. What are you doing? <laughs> so so uh, Barnabas calms Quentin by informing him that, just so you know, I come here with money. I'm not looking for money. And then Quentin's like, oh, well, then that fellow well met. You know. That's right. Why didn't you open with that? So like I say, his modus operandi apparently is to pretend he's a distant cousin. So that's his opening. And he tells Quentin and, and Judith that he has some money that he wants to invest, but also that he's very interested in the old house. And uh, he was looking. And so then um, Quentin is very interested in all of this. <laughs> get a shot of him looking. Mm. Dave's doing a lot of eyebrow work right now. Like David Selby. Mm. Uh, Judith explains that the house is currently occupied by gypsies. By Roma. Roma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's her grandmother who would decide who should live in that house. Uh, and Barnum says, well, I'm going to go and look at it. I want to see what it's like. So he leaves to explore the old house. And then Judith picks up the phone. They have a phone in the house, like one of those old-fashioned, you know, because we saw it before. We saw the phone in the f- in the present time, in the future right. of Dark Shadows that David and Amy were using to converse with with uh, Quentin. This is the phone. And Judith is going to call call Edward to report on what's going on. But Quentin stops her. He refuses to allow her to call Edward and say anything. Uh, basically, I'm the man of the house right now. Edward is gone. Uh-huh. Walking to the old house, Barnabas meets up with Beth. And Beth mentions the children, Jameson and Nora. We have not met Nora yet, but those are the two children. And Barnabas uh, asks after another, he says, well, there's a third child, is there not? And Beth tells him that there is no other child. But she says in a way that makes Barnabas suspicious Ah. and suspects her of lying. Because she's a liar. (laughs) Later, Barnabas is walking along the waterfront in Collinsport. And of course, if we know Barnabas's history, when he's walking along the water the waterfront, this is not good news for the ladies of Collinsport. He is on the prowl. But as usual, he meets a woman, a rather blousy woman, who seems a little bit loud and, you know, kind of a, a bit of a uh, uncouth lady. Okay. So she deserves to die. I'm not saying that. I think the show is. She has lost her compact, so she's oh, looking for it. Okay. And, of course, Barnabas offers to help her find it, and then he finds it for her. Uh-oh, because that's got a mirror in it, and then she'll be able to see that he's not... Uh... After a brief conversation, okay. Barnabas tries to leave. Oh. Because, of course, he is aware of himself as well. And we remember when he talked, when he turned back into a, a vampire, when he returned to the past, he said, I cannot control who I am. You know, I'm not happy with it, but I cannot control the urges that I have. Okay. And so he tells this woman that I, I have to leave. I have to leave you now. And she's like, well, why you got to go? Yeah, if you leave Don't me you now, like me? you'll take the biggest part of me. <laughs> so so uh, she insists that he stay. Oh, what a classic mistake. Yes. For a blousy dame. For a blousy dame. And he's like, well, I got to go. And she's like, well, how about you, you know, you know, walk me down to the, to the, 
So the blue whale, take me that far, because the blue whale existed in 1897, just so we know. That's a, a tavern that's been around a long time. Okay. And I guess it was back in 1895, or 1795 as well, so... so then, um, or 1785, or whatever it was. No, this is 18... Uh, it doesn't matter. So then, um, yeah, 1785 was back then. But then she's like, taking, a, taking her own sweet time going there, and he's like, can we not... Can we hurry this up a little bit? I, I, <laughs> I don't want to eat you. And then, uh, then yes, yeah, she makes a mistake of opening up her compact. There we go. And powdering her face. There we have it. And then she's like, say, why aren't you in my compact? Why can't I see you in there the mirror? There you go. And Barnabas is then, his hand is forced. He's got he's to kill her. Mm. And that's the end of her. The end of that lady. And but I just want to tell you, the most terrible scream as of in all time. Like it's, like, as in a not blood curdling. Or? Not blood curdling. It sounds like a lady who has smoked and drank whiskey her entire life screaming. It's just one of those screams that's like, ah, kind of scream, like, ah, and you're like, oh, what a scream. Like, ugh. What? Come on, lady. Do better. She's having a rough night. Do better. At Collinwood, Quentin attempts to coax Beth into helping him see his grandmother. And he peeks at the food tray that Beth is carrying, and he's like, what is this? My grandmother can't eat this much food. Why is there so much food here? Well, and Beth explains that Judith is in the room as well. And so she's going to have some of it. It's not all for the grandmother. And is it any of your business, Quentin? But Quentin, of course, makes everything his business because he's a busybody. Um, Beth brings a food tray to Edith's room. Uh, Judith takes uh, Edith's uh, consomme. And then she and Beth have a brief conversation. Over consomme. And it seems that the extra food is for someone else. Oh. Not Judith. After Judith and Beth leave the room, Quentin sneaks into his grandmother's room. And of course, she thinks he's Edward as usual. And she's like, not Edward, Grandma. Oh. And she's like, oh, you. Oh, that's a, you, is it. You, Quentin. Is, is, it, is it for Count Snackula? What? Oh, the, the food. Could be. <laughs> he just eats snacks. Yeah. He doesn't drink blood. No. Just like little bags of crisps. Sure. Sure. Thank you. Gherkins. <laughs> what Sometimes else? some cocktail onions. Oh, okay. Bridge mix. What about uh, those, little, uh, those little sausage rolls? Okay. If it counts as a snack, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he can't eat a full meal. If you give him a full steak, he won't have. Well, of course, he's well, he doesn't want steaks. He yeah, avoids steaks at all costs. Yeah. Of course, you're right. But what? If, what about uh, like uh, like um, Doritos? Like potato? Like uh, if you get a small bag, you can't get a full bag. No, he don't want a full bag. Well, yeah, if bag. you put it in a bowl and he's yeah. sharing it, yeah, sure. but he's not going to eat a sure. whole bowl himself. So if he's a vampire, can he eat salt and vinegar chips? What would the, the problem be? I don't know. I'm just asking. You, are you thinking like garlic? He couldn't eat a garlic. I, well, he chip. couldn't have a chip, but what kind of garlic? Sometimes chips he does with the um, with the nacho chips. Yeah, is he'll put them in his, his mouth like they're fangs and make a big uh, joke like I'm a vampire, and people are like, "You actually are a vampire." <laughs> like I know, but I'm yeah. not so vampire. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, and it's like I'm not going to hurt you. Why? Because I'm not your vampire. And like I get what you're saying. It's a fun joke. We all have a good time. And then someone like gives him <laughs> some garlic dip, and then he dies. <laughs> so Quentin sneaks into his grandmother's room. <laughs> Thank you for uh, tolerating me on this. Oh, that was fun. It's fun sometimes to oh, have yeah. a little fun, right? That's what I like. Why not? That's why I do this. Sure. If you just sat quietly, I would stop doing this. Yeah, and just gave you that uh, that start of the episode stare. <laughs> That's right. You started, Dave. What do you got to talk about? Me? <laughs> Nothing as usual. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, he comes into the room and he tells her that she is going to die <laughs> that night. And she must tell him the secret. Classic negging. <laughs> She refuses, and he grabs her roughly, threatening her life. Ah, enough. And she's like, I can only tell Edward the secret. I'm not telling you, Quentin. And he's like, you have to tell me. And he's like, rah, rah, rah. he's grabbing her and stuff like that. Ed by he, says, he says, if I kill you, at least Edward will never find out, which is true. Not wrong. And she says, she says, I cannot tell you the secret. And believe me, you don't, you don't want to know the secret. Oh. 
no one wants to bear the secret. Okay. This is, you know, this is a responsibility that, that a person in the family has to take, but it's not a pleasant thing to have to do. Yeah. I heard the same thing about the caramel secret. Yeah. 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 No one wants to know what it is. You don't want it's a it's a burden. Once you know how the caramel gets in there, yeah. you do not ever want to eat chocolate again in your life. <laughs> Does it involve rats? Well, petting rats. Okay, let me just say this much: okay. mm-hmm. people, a lot of people don't know that a chocolate bar actually has an anus. Mm. That's how they get it in there. <laughs> so it's like an enema. Let's say yes. <laughs> That's the probably the most pleasant way to put it. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, let's just say it gets in there. Yeah. It's a better, caramel is a better name than enema milk, which was the original name of yeah. it. Yeah. All right. Cadbury's. Very forward thinking company in their day. Yeah, but a little backwards in how they get the chocolate in there or the caramel in there. Yeah. There's better ways to do it. A little it. last backwards. Truly. <laughs> Thinking of six jokes that will just get us shut down right now. <laughs> get us shut down quick. Okay. But before, before Quentin can uh, carry out his, his evil plans, Judith enters. And stops him from harming his grandmother. And he leaves. Edith is angry at Judith for leaving her open to Quentin. Quentin coming into the room and attacking her. Judith's like, well, I just went to my room to get a book. She's like, she says, uh, Quentin is a watcher. He's an opportunist looking for any chance he can to get what he wants. You have to keep your eye on him at all times. And then Judith does a little bit of classic Dark Shadows back acting. Mm -hmm. Where they face the camera. Well, the person they're talking to is behind them. Also (laughs) looking at the camera. And Judah says, you know, if Edward couldn't, you know, maybe hear the secret, mm. he could maybe, like, tell it to me. Sure. I'm just saying. Yeah. That me, I, I could maybe hear the secret. And Edith, or her grandmother says, no, I'm not telling you the secret. <laughs> Everyone wants to know the secret, but none of you are going to know it. Only Edward will know the secret. Okay. That's why Edward has to get back here. Quentin is now downstairs, brooding in the drawing room, drinking. He angrily throws his cup into the fireplace as Judith enters. She says, I hope you can afford to break things in this house. But she also accuses him of being frightened of, Ed- of his older brother, Edward. And he's like, I'm not frightened of Edward. Cut to a close-up of a woman. It is Catherine Lee Scott, better bum, known bum. as Maggie Evans. Bum, 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 bum. She seems nervous. Bum. She is joined by a man, bum. Louis Edmonds, who we know as Roger Collins. He has a kind of fun mustache with a little wax mustache to he imperiously tells her that he's managed to secure a carriage for them. He's concerned that he will that he will arrive too late at Collinwood to speak to his grandmother. So from this we infer that it must be Edward. Right. They don't tell us. Remember we were talking a little a couple of shows ago about the the or the theory of the guy who does uh, Dark Shadows every day. That what's interesting about this return to the past is that they do not signpost it for us. That we have to like watch it to figure out what's happening. And who is whom and what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And it's very, it's very interesting. So, um, uh, so he speaks to the woman of her responsibilities, caring for and educating the children. So now we say, oh, she is the new governess that's coming to the house. Um, so she's, you know, she talks about the children and then she mentions that she's looking forward to meeting his wife, Mrs. Collins. And Edward noticeably stiffens at the name of her and he says, Ooh. says something weird though. <laughs> well, you know, the family jewels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This episode is called the Family Jewels. By the I way, I hope so. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't we don't name our episodes of our podcast, but if we did, this would be called yeah, the Family sure. Jewels. Sure, I do. I do name the episodes of Dirk Shadows, though. Oh, okay. All right. If you look in the show notes, every episode gets a, a name related to the, what we talk about in some way. So, um, <laughs> uh, he mysteriously states, says that Mrs. Collins 
no longer exists. Mm. Which is a weird thing to say. The governess, and he tells her that she, the governess, must help the children forget that she ever existed. Oh. The carriage arrives, and we learn that she, her name is Miss Drummond. Meanwhile, at Collinwood, Quentin is up to no good. He's just kind of pacing in the foyer, kind of looking around, being very sly with a lot of, hmm. And then, and don't forget, he's got those big giant whiskers. He's got these big mutton chop whiskers that are very <laughs> impressive. Uh, Barnabas arrives, interrupting his skulking about. And uh, let me just once again turn the page. Sorry, everybody. Barnabas is interested in moving into the old house, he says. So he's come to ask to see Edith, and he's brought a present for her. A keepsake, once owned by Naomi Collins. He does not. He neglects to say that Naomi was his once his mother, of course. Right. So much to Quentin's anger and outrage, Judith agrees to introduce Barnabas to her grandmother. How come I can't see her? I'm her son. I'm her, I'm her grandson. But no, she tells uh, Judith. Uh, Judith tells Barnabas that um, perhaps the sight of a gentleman will do her well. Uh-huh. She's not feeling well. Perhaps as Quentin fumes in the foyer, hears the arrival of a carriage. He quickly hides in the drawing room where he takes a stiff drink. To fortify his absolute cheek. Of course, he's not scared of his brother. Just needs to have a stiff drink to deal with him. <laughs> uh, Miss Drummond and Edward enter Collinwood. Quentin then steps out of the drawing room and outrages Edward with every word he says to him. And uh, was introduced to Miss Drummond as Rachel. Is her name okay. Rachel Drummond? Upstairs, Edith prepares to meet Barnabas. Then we go back down to Edward talking to uh, Quentin privately in the drawing room. He tells Quentin, he's basically, why are you here? I banished you. And that banishment still stands. And Quentin says, he says, I want you to leave. You have till tomorrow to leave or I will kill you. Oh. And Quentin says, kill me, brother. You cannot because I was invited here by grandmother. Uh, so, you know, basically, just, he, someone who has more authority than you has invited me here. So I am not leaving. All right. Uh, back upstairs, the old woman is pleased and charmed that Barnabas has come to her with a gift. And she's talking to him. Of course, the room is dark. And she says, well, open the curtains so I can see our guests so that Judith opens the curtains up and... And then uh, Barnabas steps forward into the light to offer, to give her this gift. And when he steps out into the light, she is terrified. Oh. Because she recognizes him. Oh. And she says, you, you, you are the secret. Your, his existence in the chain coffin has been the responsibility of generations of Collinses to keep him from leaving the coffin. Ah, Is their responsibility. That is Edward's responsibility when he learns the secret. His responsibility is that Barnabas Collins must never leave the chained coffin. Whoops. <laughs> nice boner, dumbass. We're going to go with Sandor. Um, well, as long as he didn't drop the knife. <laughs> kind of drop the knife. Kind of drop the ball and the knife. Sorry, guys, sorry. Yes, he must never be let out. That's <laughs> what she says. And yet here he is, out of the coffin. Jeez. How bad must he smell? <laughs> As she recoils from him in terror, Edward enters. Okay. He rushes to his grandmother's side, requesting that Barnabas leave the room. And to Barnabas, who is a vampire, yeah. to his you know to his credit, he does leave the room. Okay. But he listens at the door. I wonder if he has to, if it's like one of those uh, invite uh, get out things. Like if you tell a vampire, you gotta leave. And it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't seem to have that here. He can come in if he wants. Yeah, you don't have that invite yeah. to disinvite uh, yeah. thing. Um. Yeah, he requests that Barnum's leave, and Barnum's leaves, he leaves her up at the door as Edward begs his grandmother to tell him the terrible secret of the Collins family. And that's where we'll stop this oh, week. Oh, wow. Okay, well. Dork Shadows. Very nice. Terrible secrets abound. 
I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty good so far. This uh, travels back to the past. You know it's what's fun. nice that we got him back being a vampire. Come on now. That's kind of cool. And I, I really, as much as Quentin is a big jerk, he's one of those big jerks that you love to hate. You know, he's kind of the Angelique yep. of this of this uh, storyline. That's what you so want far. in a soap opera. You yeah. want like uh, a jerk that you. Uh, you want that big broad. Yeah, you need someone to be the heel. The, yeah, yeah. So last week on our uh, mailbag, I'm, I'm turning to the mailbag right now. Um, uh, we asked, uh, what's something that wasn't great but was saved by a great ending, like a movie, TV show, book sort of thing? Also, uh, what was a place that you loved but has now disappeared? We were being a little, uh, you know, oh, there's some places in Vancouver that we miss that are uh, gone now. So uh, Joseph M. Boylan uh, wrote uh, and was uh, asking us an unrelated question to either of those, which was... <laughs> Can we please get a completely Beatles about Get Back? It's such a great documentary. Uh, I wrote about it as well, if uh, anyone is interested. Yes, I think uh, that a lot of people came to our show through completely Beatles, and they would be interested in stuff about the Beatles. So For sure. Yes, indeed. Please uh, give us a link to our Hazzy. Yes, I'll, I'll post the link. All right, very good. Then we're going to uh, link to link. Uh, Edward Dragansky asks, uh, how about slowly taking us through Get Back like you do with Dark Shadows? It's about as long and maybe longer. <laughs> so uh, we are thinking of doing something with Get Back for sure. Not sure the format yet. We have not totally discussed it. But, uh, you know, any thoughts on that so far? On like do it all at once? Yeah, do I think we'll do bits? it. I think we'll try and do it all at once. And we'll do kind of a combination of almost the fansplainers. Okay. With completely Beatles context. Ah, Beatsplainers. Okay, very good. <laughs> we'll go. figure it out. You know, and maybe we'll also then if it's very long, maybe we'll chop it up as well and go like, yeah. here's some bite, here's some beetle bites for all of you. <laughs> um, I like sure. the idea of beetle bites. I could go for some of those right now. I picture they'd be like a turtles. Who are you, Count Snackula? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> call back. I want to have some snacks. Were you going to say about those snacks? I was saying uh, I picture like beetle bites would be like uh, turtles because mm. I think turtles look a little bit like sure. beetles. Yeah. Uh, Regis, our friend Regis writes. Regis. All right. Uh, hi, I owe you some apologies. Last time I lectured you about English high classes and meat naming. But uh, Tom Scott, the YouTube one, not the Blues Brothers one, contradicted me five years ago. How rude. <laughs> he claims... Uh, funny. I like Tom Scott. Uh, he's a YouTuber. I like his uh, YouTube videos. I have not seen his YouTube videos. He does. He'll sometimes talk about language, but then also he'll go around and like look at interesting places. Cool. The most recent one was showing um, the floodgates that are in the Thames to prevent flooding in, uh, in, in London. It's really fascinating. All right. He claims that the naming is related to Anglo-Saxon versus Anglo-Normand invasions way, way, way back to some 1,000-ish years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. But maybe those Normans were actually cooks. Prove me wrong, Scott. Like warrior <laughs> cooks. And I'm sure it's why a kitchen organization is so military. The kitchen crew is a brigade for crying out loud. Good mm. point. Funny thing. Younger, uh, I always uh, was right. But getting older, I realize uh, things I know for sure are not so true. Resulting in the fact that probably I was never so right. Hmm. That's why we need time machines to That's go right. back and check. <laughs> Am I getting wiser accepting to be wrong? Yes. There you go. The, As Bob Dylan once said, I was so much older than I'm younger than that now. I completely feel that way about a lot of things. But wait a minute. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong about the fact that the younger I was wrong about thinking I was always right. So in fact, I was right, right? How oh, Regis, you found a paradox, sir. And now you cease to exist. Oh, no. Oh, too bad. 
Classic mistake. You stepped on a butterfly, Regis. You made that error. Let uh, let that salt and thought and some Alka Seltzer sink in. I can't have Alka Seltzer. There's too much sodium in it. Oh. Do you know that it's a zig zugma? A zoigma, I think. Zoigma, not the confusion about the truth in old age. That's Alzheimer's, which, by the way, and funnily, is an approximate homophony of Alka Seltzer. <laughs> it's close in pronunciation, and even if it's resulted to brain problems, not in meaning, in which case it will be a synonym. Okay. If what you just said makes no sense to me, does yeah. that mean that I might be getting it? No? Okay, we'll see. So, uh, zoigma is a is a figure of speech for um, a word that j- can join or be part of the, be connected in a sentence. Ah. So, um, so you could say something like, um, he works his, he works his side of the street and I mine. So, works in that point is, makes, is, is an assumed part of the second part of that sentence, if you understand what I mean. Okay, all right. Even though you're not... You wouldn't say I works, so we assume that you would change. You know, you know what I mean. Like we can assume that it would well, change. The example Regis uses is yeah. zoigma is kind of uh, killing two birds with one stone. Literally, I mean because it's figurative, saying what really described it. If the two birds are not of the same species, or really that one of the birds is something else, you throw your stone at, like a storefront window, which in this case it will more likely be cobblestones. The thing you're throwing. So the other bird will be quite difficult to hit with it. Regarding the size and the velocity of such a projectile, I'm lost, but it's okay. Except that the bird in front of the, except that if the bird is in front of the storefront, maybe it's on the glass painted because it's a grain shop, but it will be contradictory with the saying as the glass and the painting are really only one thing. Arf. <laughs> Sometimes I throw myself in some convoluted and obscure explanation at a dead end, like the bird of self-belief hitting the window of reality and its dis- demise. Wow. There we go. I always like that uh, Seinfeld bit about uh, birds flying into mirrors. It's just like, even if you don't know that it's not you, why aren't you trying to get out of the way of the other bird? <laughs> Did they fly into mirrors? I thought it was, uh, they fly into glass that looks like skies on the other side of it. Well, I have to look up the old Seinfeld bit. <laughs> Two more uh, zoigmas, I think, and something like an allegory, making it a zoogmallegory. You know what? Dave doesn't have to read this. You get making me read these crazy words you're making, Regis? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, look, I get that it's brilliant. You're a genius. I understand that, and I'm not, but I'm trying my best. And I'm sorry that I am a poor vessel for your, uh, for your ideas. I apologize to you right now, Regis, but I'm going to try my best. I always loved complicated words, the ones you throw into conversations just to get that confused look in your listener. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But sometimes it backfires uh, when, uh, as you explain what it means, proud of yourself, some random Tom Scott corrects you because he knows, and contrary to what you were sure of, you're not always right. Just realize that it is quite representative of the ADHD thinking or what you can read and hear about it. Difficult to concentrate on the matters at end, uh, tendencies to digress and not paying attention, resulting in somewhat uh, defective memory and overcompensating to try to make sense of it, adding uh, in the process extra layers of confusions, and sometimes resulting in social awkwardness, real or field. Ian, 
On my last rant, you reacted like you were seemingly were looking into it, ADHD, one way or another. May I ask in which ways? I am kind of looking into OCD a little bit. And also, uh, I suspect, uh, possibly, uh, you know, uh, I may uh, have, uh, you know, a thing where, you you know, your brain's weird. So I'm going to go check that out at some point. Um, couldn't remember the word right now. Sorry about that. Uh, what, what's the one that everyone's got? The kind of obsessive thing. Not to ADHD. You know what I'm talking about. He has a letter A. You know what I'm talking about. You're talking about, um, it's not full a- on as- autism. Asperger's? Asperger's? Asperger's. Yeah. yeah. I want to check, I want to check into that because, okay. uh, there's a lot of things, uh, with that that I'm like, oh boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so maybe one day I'll check that. I have not checked into ADHD though. That's interesting. But I do feel like I've got some, uh, uh, obsessive compulsive, uh, situation there. Maybe not to the point of full on because I do know people with, uh, OCD that's uh, and I, I know the level that that can be but eh, we'll see hmm. um, well I like to answer some of your past questions but each time I try to think about it uh, the answers all seem to elude me uh, then the sneakers answer them and I cried yes exactly I knew it darn and that's when I get a good one it's one month after the middle of the night uh, when going to pee then I forget it that's okay you got more important things to do when you're peeing yeah in conclusion uh, you got the sneaky dragon, and I've got the sneaky brain. <laughs> P.S. Glad to hear uh, the, the shitty things passes and the Ian still barks. P.S. 2. Is Stranger Things a, nostal- is a nostalgic show or the best way to describe our time? Or maybe everything is connected? Eh, could be both. Why not both? I say both. Always enjoy your letters where you just thank you. Please keep writing. Um, John Hallworks writes, Hello, gentlemen. Oh, very. Shows what he knows, right? <laughs> Well, speak for yourself. Several years ago, I discovered your show and enjoyed it a great deal. Even though our cultural interests don't completely overlap, I'm not much interested in comics or science fiction, though I don't dislike them. I enjoyed your banter, your humor, and your smart commentary. And then life interfered, and I had a lot less time on my hands. Oh, life. Yeah, and I lost the thread. Then last week, I started watching Get Back, and I thought of you guys and wondered what you were up to. So I listened again, and it was like uh, seeing old friends after a long (laughs) separation. Well, nice to see you again, too, John. That's nice. Uh, I listened in bits and pieces while walking the dog and washing dishes. Uh, I'm thinking about an experiment. I might very slowly go through your episodes in reverse order. Mm. That way, I can experience time backwards like Merlin in The Once and Future King, (laughs) and the inside jokes and self-references will gradually reveal themselves as I travel through the years, and we will sound younger and more spry. That's right. Um, (laughs) And our pets will come back to life. Oh, boy. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, best wishes and happy holidays to you both, John. You too, John. Best of the season to you. Thank you. Uh, Edward Dragansky writes two letters. Ooh. First one. You know, Ian, maybe Alex Ross saw the comic strip you mentioned uh, last week. By the way, the comic strip we were talking about. Because mm. uh, there was some discussion over um, uh, Alex Ross and Paul Dini's uh, uh, work where uh, the like uh, they call Batman Bruce in the Justice League. Okay. And, you know, they call uh, Superman Clark. It was it was a comic strip that was a, at least a Sunday strip. I don't know if it was a daily strip as well. Called World's Greatest Superheroes. I see. So you can look that up. World's Greatest Superheroes, and that was the first one that I saw them all just calling each other by their real names and thinking that's dumb. Shut up. There's <laughs> villains around. What's wrong with you? But is uh, it is it sotto voce? I mean, it's, they're not like yelling at each other. They're just speaking in asides to each other, right? Yeah, but like, okay. I, I assume that there, some of those guys have good hearing. Like the eh, cheetah, I assume, has good hearing. Eh, I'm assuming Bizarro has super ears. Yeah. So smarten up. 
<laughs> you know, Ian, maybe Alex Ross saw the comic strip you mentioned last week and got the idea for the JLA to use proper names from it. If I was a, I was a Marvel brat for years and only read DC at a friend's house after school, I was kind of a Marvel guy too. Uh, it all seemed so dense that nothing really caught me. All the Earth 2 stuff and the Justice Society uh, being from different worlds uh, just sent me back to my Marvel comics. It wasn't until the mid-80s when I started reading DC faithfully, so I missed all those early strips you mentioned. My main reference to anything DC was probably Super Friends or the occasional DC-Marvel crossover. I did like the Earth 2 stuff. Uh, when I was a kid, I liked the idea that there was a different Superman with gray temples. Yeah. And he was married. And Batman was married to Catwoman. And they had a daughter named Huntress. And it was like, oh, shit's really happening over on that world. Why are we on this one? Where he's going, should I date Lois? Should I tell her who I am? So Meanwhile, uh, like, Superman of Earth 2 is like, just punched Hitler in the face. And it's totally going to town on Lois and having babies and stuff and doing stuff. It's great. Good fun. What did you think of Crisis of Infinite Earths then? Did you, did you think that was unnecessary to like to take away those um you know uh yeah i wasn't the biggest fan of the idea behind it i mean i love the art and i love mm-hmm. seeing you know infinite amounts of superheroes doing stuff george Perez's art was uh beautiful yeah uh so i enjoyed it at the time but afterwards i was like Meh. it was a bit of a mess what it left things yeah yeah you know and they kept it felt like you know since that time they've been trying to just get it back to the way it was yeah yeah it's just interesting going like there's another world over there where, like, we can yeah, do all this stuff. Have some fun. If we feel like killing Batman, we'll kill Batman over there and stuff can go down. It's great. Um, I remember uh, renting about Schmidt years ago and it, it just, uh, oh, he's answering a question. And mm. found it just kind of mediocre, but not bad. Jack Nicholson didn't really play his normal role in the film and it seemed somewhat dreary as his widowed character tries to make some sense in his life after retirement. Then the ending came as he receives a painting from six-year-old uh, Nugu. Uh, in another country, he's been writing to throughout the film. Nagu doesn't know how to read or write, so the nun writes for the child to Schmidt, along with a painting. It's a painting of Nagu and Schmidt holding hands in front of a big sun, and Jack Nicholson delivers one of the best scenes ever as he breaks down from the simple gesture of love. The ending changed about Schmidt uh, into a far better movie for me and made repeat viewings more enjoyable, even though I know I'll cry at the at the final scene. <laughs> I think uh, it's time to watch About Schmidt again soon. Agreed. That is a very good end scene. Have you seen About Schmidt? Yeah, I really like that film. Yeah. There was a theater in Dallas, the North Park 1 and 2, that showed uh, all the first-run films. Great ones. Built the year I was born in 1965. North <laughs> Park is where I saw Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, and many others. So, yeah, you only saw George Lucas and Steven Spielberg films. I get it. I understood. Uh, it was literally the biggest theater in Dallas and one of the first of three theaters to use the Lucasfilm THX sound system. This place was a movie-going experience. For reasons unknown to me, they closed it in 1998 and tore it down in 2001. Uh, the North Park Mall, which wasn't connected to the theater, is still one of the most successful malls in Dallas and the oldest. And to this day, I can't understand why North Park 1 and 2 had to close instead of being renovated. I think there's a bed, bath, and beyond in its place now, and, and just more mall. <laughs> if I could just see one more movie there. Yeah, there's a there's a mall that uh, I used to go see movies at, and I think it's like a Pier 1 now is where the damn movie theater was. Pier 1! Gross! It's not even a real store. Yeah. Why they why why they make that? It's some, some kind of peer pressure? Huh? Some of that? Yeah. It's got another letter I should read that instead. <laughs> Please do. Snackula. Count Snackula. Um, do you think Oscar the Grouch is actually a Grinch? I think he is. I don't think so. 
You ever see the movie The Grinch, the uh, J- uh, Jim Carrey one? No. You look at him and all the fur and the green and whatever, mm-hmm. clearly the same creature as, as Oscar the Grouch. One of them's wrong, but they're the same creature, whatever the heck it is. Both grumpy, <laughs> both furry, both messy. Eh. Edward continues to write. Dave! Uh, this is addressed oh. to you, David. Oh. Wake up! Dave! Wait, yep. Okay. Uh, you were awake. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> did you say you watched Get Back twice? Did you say that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my speed is probably more equal to Ian's and I'm about halfway through the second episode. Mm-hmm. I love the Beatles. I do. But getting into this thing was like sitting in therapy with them. My late friend Sean, who I've mentioned in this past, was more of an autophile like you, Dave. This documentary would have been like heroin in his veins. <laughs> I think that uh, the more uh, musically inclined uh, audience uh, gets more out of Get Back than someone like me who hasn't a clue what they're talking about when it comes to making music. When I di- what I did enjoy was seeing those moments of clarity within the first moments of a song uh, where I recognized it or the banter they shared each morning. I didn't like how George was treated. I thought Paul was a bigger prick than I ever imagined, but I knew this was all coming. The proposed film project and the performance that the crew was badgering the Beatles uh, into was so misguided. These four men were put on the earth to write and perform music, not art direct and visually produce what surrounded them. I did find it interesting that they recognized the absence of Mr. Epstein and his role in handing everything else, uh, handling everything else outside of the music. I am chiseling away at it because I realize the payoff is worth it. It's just taking uh, me longer to get back. Me too. It's uh, very watching it. It's just like oh, it's so awkward. It's so ah. Uh, it's like oh, that's good. Oh no, don't ah, don't. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a it's a hard watch. It's a hard day's watch, is what I'm saying. <laughs> But uh, I enjoy the uh, I don't know, I enjoy it. I enjoy the honesty of it. I think it's a very brave uh, film. Crystal writes. Crystal. Hey, Dave and Ian, I have a confession. <gasps> okay. This is where you make it. Well, all right. Uh, 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 we'll get into we'll get into the booth and listen yeah. listen to you. What's that? Yeah, I'm sorry. bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been so. No, this is my last confession. Okay, my child, go on. All right. Uh, I overextended myself uh, helping with community Christmas activities. Oh, Crystal. During the past fortnight, which means I didn't watch Dark Shadows. My Christmas tree isn't decorated. And I'm still (laughs) trying to make it through part two of Get Back. But I did manage to keep up with listening to your podcast each week. Got to keep those priorities straight. Yes, that's important. Darn right. Ian, uh, I'm sorry you're having uh, heart issues. I'm doing okay now. Uh, please take care of yourself and be mindful of the foods you're consuming. Your heart rate uh, while being active in your stress level. You need to balance both salt, not too much, and potassium Yep, to help with regulating your heart. Uh, carnitine, I haven't heard about this, uh, also helps with heart function. Red meat is the most readily consumable source of carnitine, but your cardiologist can prescribe an extracted form if you are deficient. Uh, hopefully you will have some time off during the holidays to rest and take some much needed me time. Thank you so much, Crystal. Uh, yeah, I am doing more potassium now. Um, Dave, I've been, I've been thinking about possible ideas for top five songs. Oh, cool. Here are a few of my suggestions. Sure. Non Beatles Apple releases. Love it. Best B sides. No particular group in mind. Okay. Five best mashups you've heard. The Tom Petty Beatles mashup of Last Dance with Mary Jane and Girl is particularly well done. Hmm. Songs that were produced by a famous musician, like how Paul McCartney produced a Mellow Yellow for Donovan under the name Apollo C. Vermouth. That's not true. You don't believe that's true? It's not true. He produced uh, I'm I'm the Urban Spaceman for the Bonzo Dog Duda Band as okay. Apollo C. Vermouth. Ah, oh, well then, who, who is Crystal thinking about with that song? Who produced then Mellow Yellow? 
Oh, I think it's just Mickey Most who produced uh, most most of the uh, most <laughs> uh, the majority of Donovan's stuff. Very good. Uh, songs that are a tribute to another band. Songs that mention food. And finally, because my most fav- uh, favorite monkey just passed, five best Michael Nesmith solo songs. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be fun to do. Yeah. Well, I will, uh, I will get, get onto that one of these centuries. I've had different drums stuck in my head for a week. Um, his version, not the, uh, not the remade version. Uh, in response to one of last week's questions, I enjoy watching the Goldbergs because of its re- recreation of the 1980s. Although, to be per- perfectly honest, I don't remember Holmes in the 80s being quite so colorful. I remember a lot of brown, that's dark a, that's brown a paneling, that's a dark brown couches, yeah. avocado greens, You're and right. harvest yellows. I know, they got to get people, though, watching it now. And people will not watch those sickly colors now. They will it's, not. It's that. And it's also the idea that the 80s were like this super bright that everyone wore like pastel pinks and, and fluorescent colors when, I mean, there was those kind of colors were around and particularly like, you know, bands and stuff like that would dress that way. But your average person, you know, they were still like wearing blue jeans and Though, blouses. And I stuff. will say this. They do then have a lot of clips from the from the actual uh, guy who created the show. Yeah. And you see how he dressed in his family dress. And you go like, yeah, that was right. Like, that's how they dress back then. So. You know, the, the, the clothes are correct, if, if nothing else, for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I enjoy the nostalgia and think the producers do a pretty good job recreating the 1980s. I miss getting to go shopping at Shady Brook Mall over in Columbia. <laughs> when it opened in 81, it was the happening place to go. There was an arcade <laughs> called Pirate's Cove. Oh, that sounds good. A bookstore called Read More. Oh, that sounds good. A record store called The Sound Shop. Oh, that sounds good. A store called Homespun Shop. Where you could buy handmade soaps. I don't care about that at all. Uh, <laughs> candles and stuffs that looks like it came straight from Colonial Williamsburg. And you know what they say about Colonial Williamsburg? People smelled great. That's the first, the first thought. Yep. Yep. The mall uh, started dying out in the late 1990s. Now the hospital has a, a cancer center there. And most of the building is empty. I've heard rumors about it being torn down. Uh, getting back to get back. That's amazing to me. Like What's that? It's not something that we have here as much in Canada. Like, malls are still, like, doing okay here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, there's still, like, there's still, like, a lot of malls around. And they, mm-hmm. they just seem to be doing fine. Like, I was Christmas shopping, you know, on, on the weekend. And, you know, there's lots of people there at the mall. It's felt like a vibrant place. They're, they're adding to it. They're, 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 they're building a whole new section to the mall. It's getting, it's weird here. Like, uh, we were driving by... Um the old Hell Kitty Studios location at Main and Broadway. And uh, kind of across the street and just a little bit up, there there was a, a fire, uh, a mysterious fire. Uh-huh. Uh, and it burned down like the sushi shop. Uh, there was that sushi shop, sushi restaurant. Um, Slicky Jim's little restaurant and some other stuff. Yeah. And they rebuilt it. And it was like, now it's a bagel shop and it's a salad shop and whatever. And now they've torn that down. And now they're building something else there. And it just uh-huh. feels so weird. That, like, they tore down something that was built so recently. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like, what's that about? It does feel strange. Yeah, tear down something that was just built. It was barely <laughs> built. But we're going to put condos in here now. I know, but, like, it's, but you just, like, you're already building the stupid, dumb thing already. <laughs> you can't just tear it down and build another stupid, dumb thing. I mean, ecologically, this is just a nightmare. <laughs> eh, getting back to get back. I've heard how horrible uh, this time was for the Beatles. 
And I think it might have been uh, mentioned by Dave and Completely Beatles uh, that the Let It Be movie was edited to heighten the negative drama around the group uh, choosing to focus on the bad and not so much on the fun. What I didn't expect to see was how little confidence George Harrison had in his musical ability. In episode one, he had multiple times, he said multiple times how great uh, Eric Clapton was. It is Clapton, right? Sorry, yeah. you wrote Clampton, so I'm just making sure that it's not a completely <laughs> other yeah. artist that I'm yeah. getting wrong. Eric Clapton was, and then would speak poorly of his own ability. Right before he walks out, he says, you need Eric Clapton. And then John immediately fires back, we need George Harrison. And Paul <laughs> says, no, we need George Harrison, too. Although George walked out, that is my favorite quote so far. Hmm. Meanwhile, Eric uh, Clapton is by the door going, huh? Yes. And he's like, no, nope, I don't need you. Okay. Get out of cream. Oh, I'd like to. All right. Well, I'll just hang around here until I get some very bad views about vaccination. Okay, you do that, Eric. One more thought and I'll hush. I looked over the calendar and feel uh, compelled to say this. I absolutely love the show, guys. You're so diligent and dedicated to amusing all the little uh, sneaksters. But please take time off from being rock stars of the podcasting world to enjoy Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day with your family and friends. I would rather enjoy listening to an episode, episode 524, knowing you didn't have to push through, rush through, or miss out on some reindeer games (laughs) just to spread joy and witty quips to the masses. I would say uh, Merry Happy Hangover, but Dave doesn't drink, and I can't right now. So I wish you both a very happy Merry Everything, and hope that your season is merry and bright. And we wish the same thing to you, Crystal. And uh, and yeah, have a have a great uh, holiday. You have the same name as uh, as Frosty's wife. Did you know that? You probably know that, but you do. That's that's dumb that I bring that up. I didn't know Frosty was married. Yeah, Frosty and Crystal. Yeah. What? Yeah, you never saw the special where Frosty got married? Oh, okay. I didn't realize. No, I guess I've not. Yeah. Huh. It was done uh it's it was done fairly soon, sure. I think, after the uh the uh yeah, I'm trying to remember. It was Frosty's Yeah. Frosty's snowballs. I thought of dirty jokes as well and thought I wasn't gonna <laughs> say them because it was so close to us talking to our nice friends online and I was trying to be pleasant. Not me. Nope, not Dave. Nope. Nope, Dave, don't no, care. No filter over here, folks. No filter at all. I'll say anything. Nope, that's right. Okay, there we go. Putting that away. I'll just say it. Oh, no, actually, but, can I just say some, one thing before we You can say everything. You can say all the things you want. Boy, you burned through the sour candies, though. Good for you. I'm just trying to help you. I appreciate that. You there's are no helping car- me. There's no carmatine in these. <laughs> carmatine, hunger force. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, uh, say... Uh, Big uh, happy congratulations to Bob and Nina. Bob got his his permanent resident status yes. in Canada. He's up here visiting. They're going to start making plans for him to move up here. So big big uh, congratulations to them. Happy permanent uh, happy permanent residence status. Yes. Uh, may it be permanent. Good news for the third dragon. Good news for the third dragon. Good news for Canada. Canada <laughs> yes, just right. got a little the bit whole, better. The whole country is uh, going to benefit from this. Even Halifax, although it's obviously a whole. Yeah. We'll benefit from this. Less people will uh, fall into Peggy's Cove. <laughs> that is the one downside, by the way, to living in Halifax. Eventually, yeah. you're going to Peggy's Cove, and uh, some of you are going to go, you know what? I think I'm fine. And you'll get close, and there'll be signs saying, don't get close. I'm like, I think I'm all right. And then, whoop, oh, now you're part of the sea. <laughs> that happens every year. That bad. A lot of people, not a lot of people, but enough people just like, get pulled into the sea. Like lose their lives? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they get too close, and yeah, then the yeah. wave comes in. Whoop. Off you go. That's bad. Done. 
Yeah, they, 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 they basically the signs are like, we're serious. <laughs> yeah, this is actually dangerous. Don't folks. be a dum dum. I know it has a cute name. Yeah. But. And you think like, nah, what could happen? Whoop. Off yeah. you go. Yeah. It's like those people that say Candyman's name over and over again. They should have named it after Charybdis, the monster in uh, the Odyssey. Okay. Scylla and Charybdis. It sounds like someone who's using crib notes. It's like, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to crib this. But if you crib this, then you summon the pronounce. monster of uh, cheating, and then he drags you out to sea as well. I don't know how to pronounce it. I only know how to read it. That's okay. Sorry. I'm no expert. That'd be funny to put that into a book. You, you'd name something, and then like in brackets, I don't know how to pronounce this either. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. What is this word really? We all, we've all just read it. None of us have to say it. So, uh, you know what? There you go. That's one of the questions for this week. What's that? What is a word that you pronounced wrong for the longest time? Oh, for me, it was ennui. For me, it's a, a behemoth. Behemoth? 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 Yeah. yeah, behemoth. I'm still pronouncing it wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Terrible. Should be embarrassed. So there you go. What's a word that you uh, pronounced wrong for a very long time mm-hmm. and then got corrected on? Well, and, a, and here's the thing. Thank God you got corrected on it. Like if I run into a behemoth yeah, or behemoth. You, you want to at least know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Hey, oh, by the me. way, a, a leviathan can be a behemoth. Yeah. But not all behemoths are leviathans. Here's the thing, though. Like, mispronouncing words is a sign of a reader. Nothing to be embarrassed about. It means that you read a word, and you decided it was a great word, and you're going to incorporate it into your daily use. But you never heard anyone say it before. Yep. So you said NUI for years on end. Yeah. Probably about three years until one day your friend, David M., who's a guest of the show, uh, says to you one day, I think you mean ennui. And I went, I do? <laughs> Whoops, I've been using that word a lot wrong for a long time. Yeah. That's okay. All right. So what is a word that you have you mispronounced for a long, long time? There you are. Um, and what's a word that you still mispronounce? Uh, do you have another uh, question for our dear listeners? I was, gonna th- I was trying to think of a... Oh, here's a question for everybody. You ready for this one? Egg yog. Egg yog. Egg dog. Yes or no? All right. There you go, everyone. Simple. Yes or no? You can give we'll, us. We'll say our votes next next week. You can give a reason why, but I'm just asking you: eggnog, yes or no? Yeah, it's a binary question. And you, if you if you want to, you can say like: Do you do homemade? Do you sure. Buy from the store? You can yeah. You can do you el- go classic. Do you go light? What do you what do you do? Yeah. You can you can elucidate. Yeah. Or as Ian used to say, elucidate. That's right. That <laughs> and in Canada, do we sell it in plastic bags? <laughs> do we? I don't know. I don't know about that. Seems like the kind of weird shit we do. Well, we sell milk in plastic bags. We do. That's why we used to here anyway. We don't sell. We don't really get it here anymore. Though I think it's still available here for hardcore people who still like. Oh, I, I, I'm sure there's some families that couldn't uh, drink it out of a carton if you paid them. You know, it's probably really good for uh, like in terms of packaging and like waste and stuff like that. Probably. Way Wait, better. maybe not because it's plastic. It is plastic, but you're using plastic. You're using plastic uh, pitchers as well when you buy it at the store. When you buy a jug of milk, it's plastic. But if you've got a carton of milk, and then that's paper. That's a Tetra Pak. Yeah. Whatever, and then you pour that. So that's better for the environment probably than three mm. plastic bags of milk in a plastic so bag. So you want to bring back the days of the big square, uh, like, liter of milk or whatever that is, four liters of milk. You know what I like is I do like a Tetra Pak of, like, regular milk because, uh, you, you know, it's a, it's a liter, which yeah. to me, as, you know, I live with my wife. Yeah. And uh, we don't go through two liters of milk. That's too much milk. It's going to go mm. bad by that point. So, like, the, the leader is great. And then also, because it's a Tetra Pak, you just put it on the shelf. You don't have to worry about, like, refrigerating it for forever. Yeah. And then when it's time to drink it, you put it in the fridge and use it up and you're great. And then uh, recycle it and you feel good about your life. Sure. I still buy a jug of milk. I still buy a 
plastic jug of milk. Fine. I'm I can, not judging I you. I can get through it before it expires. Okay. You put on some cereal. You I, drink it as a glass. I drink. I'll have about two or three cups at, at night for dinner. Okay. I'll have it every morning on my cereal. Okay. But that's it. That's it. Well, that's Whoa. your milk alert. It's my mum calling. Put her on speaker. Let's do this. Uh, let's see. Can't talk now. I'll call you later. Do you think she wants to go see Spider-Man? That's what she's calling for. I shouldn't have mentioned, I shouldn't have mentioned it because she's been calling all week about it. Yeah. I said, Mom, I already have tickets. You can't come. She's like, well, how about if we, you know, I'll sit on your shoulders and we'll go in as a giant. I'm like, Mom, that's not going to work. But We'll pretend to be Stilt Man. Yeah. I'll and be you're like, Man. Mom, that's a Daredevil character. <laughs> it's like, he, he's also yeah. fought Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like, I know, but he's primarily a Daredevil character. And by the way, he's not really used much anymore, Mom. <laughs> And she's like, well, the Kingpin's both characters. It's both Daredevil and also Spider-Man. It's like, yes, they're in the same universe, Mom. It's like you were eavesdropping on my conversation. And then you're like, well, wait a second. Why does Spider-Man fight the Kingpin? Because he he would be stronger than the Kingpin. Kingpin's just a guy. Doesn't make any sense. Is he? Well, he's he's quite strong. He's quite strong. Like, as in, if he's fighting Daredevil, that's a really good fight. And Daredevil better watch out. But if you're Spider-Man and you can lift a car, eh, you'd be able to beat up Kingpin. Yeah, I think so. See, but, this is the problem when we talk for more than two hours. Yeah, because when I put on my when I put on my do not disturb, it's a two hour long uh, okay thing, and then we we talk for so long. Well, Dave needs to call his family, so uh, we're going to wrap this up and say if you want to talk to us. By the way, first of all, I hope you have a, a merry uh, holiday season, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Hope it's uh, relaxing, joyful, not stressful with family. Uh, you know, I don't know what we're going to do about presents. Ugh. It's like, ugh, what are you doing? Christmas? Now? What are you, crazy? It's bananas. If you're like me, ugh, and you, or you're like Dave, you're like, yay, yeah, um, then there you go. Either way, we hope you have a lovely uh, holiday uh, season. I think it's really based in, in your childhood, for sure. Like, what kind of Christmas you had growing up? Like, you know, I've complained about my mom on the show a few times, obviously, but she loved Christmas. She's a real Christmas person. Oh, okay. And so our cr- Christmas times were always great as growing up, like... Both my parents really did a great Christmas. You know, the presents were great. Yeah. They were both like in good moods. There was no, there's nothing, you know, that we just didn't get in trouble for like, like they seemed like two weeks of good, good humor in our house for, it was very, didn't Well, that's nice to hear. So it was very nice for us. I always appreciated that. And my mom was still, even when I moved out and for a long time, I was, you know, that's what made like the last few years of, of Christmas where she was, it just seemed like she was just aching for a, for a fight over, I don't know what, um, you know, more sad because for so long it was never like that. She was always like, you know, even though she could be a bit of a handful the rest of the year and kind of bit uh, a bit crotchety, at least at Christmas, you knew like you're going to be guaranteed not only getting some great butter tarts <laughs> and, and fruitcake and stuff like that. My mom, my mom knocks those out of the park every year, but you're going to get, you're going to get like a happy mom for a couple of weeks, you know? Mm. And so that's Christmas to me still, you know? And so, and I think if, and the girls probably feel the same way. Not that it, not that I'm crappy most crappy most of the years, but that it was always like a happy time for us Christmas. So, at least I hope that is how it is for them. But I do think if you had like sad Christmases, that it's hard, Christmas is very hard, you know. Or if you're by yourself now, right? You know, obviously. But yeah, I think it's in your experiences that how you look at Christmas. And it's also it's it's whether or not you put like it. it they, I think the reverse can be too, true though too. If you had this Christmas that was amazing when you were a kid, mm-hmm. and you feel like you've got to up the make you got to duplicate that oh, Christmas. okay yeah and then it's like how do i yeah. do that how do i replicate sure, that and hard. you can't and it's like 
well, then something's wrong. Yeah. You know, because we got we to gotta make up for the whole year and uh, Christmas time. <laughs> and it's like, mm, yeah, yeah. So we're just going to say, uh, as Crystal says, cut yourself some slack. Just love each other. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, you know, we have a show coming out on Christmas morning, right? Okay. <laughs> okay well, so it's not going to help anybody on Christmas. No, no, First of all, people no are going to be listening to the show. You're listen right. no to our three-hour nonsense, and then right. and then go. You know you're what? Right, you're Maybe, right. yeah. I apologize. All yes. right, that's all right. Let's say it now. Let's say it now. Then, yes. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, if you want to contact us and talk to us about those questions, uh, well, here's how you do it. If you want to email, we're at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We remain sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We're on Facebook, Sneaky Dragon. Of course we are. Why wouldn't we be? Uh, Twitter, we're at sneaky underscore dragon. And we are on Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. And listen, the most direct way is just to go to our website, sneakydragon.com. We got every episode. Underneath every episode, there's a message area. You can post it there. Couldn't be simpler. By the way, you want to listen to any of our episodes from the last 10 years. They are all there. Free of charge. That's not enough for you? How dare you? Well, anyway, here's what else you can listen to. You can listen to every episode of, speaking of Beatles, Completely Beatles, where we go through every Beatles episode, uh, you know, uh, every Beatles episode, every Beatles song and album, uh, one song at a time. We do, we go linear. And movies. Uh, we, uh, what's that? And movies too. And they're movies. Absolutely. We don't talk about the TV show. Unless you're talking about the Magical Mystery Tour, which was a TV show, which was also a movie. Yes. But do we talk about their cartoon? No, we don't. We do not talk about that cartoon. Did we miss out? Maybe we should have. Whoops. Maybe we should go back. Um, we also have <laughs> they were, one. They uh, weren't really too closely involved. Totally in Tintin. Oh, totally uh, Where we go through every Tintin uh, story. Uh, also the movies. We also did that with the Marx Brothers. Uh, with, a, with a show called Full Marks. We also. Man, we were busy, eh? Uh, we also went through a whole bunch of movies uh, with fan explainers. So mm-hmm. there you go. You could uh, listen to any of those, all free of charge. If you're going, oh, but I want to give you some money. All right, all right, calm down. This is how you do it. Uh, we have a Patreon account, so that's Patreon.com/sneakydragon, or there is a button on our main page, sneakydragon.com. And hey, you're like, but I want to wear some shit. Well, you can wear some shit. We got shirts and stuff. We got merch. We got things. Click on that. Look at Dave's art. It's on there. Beautiful art pieces he did over the years including christmas illustrations many <laughs> christmas illustrations beautiful stuff there's a few check it all out if you want to buy some of our stuff that we're doing now we do a, a series of books called sparks uh there are three uh one two are out one is coming out in march uh sparks sparks double dog dare and uh sparks future perfect is coming out march 1st uh in the new year done by myself david dedrick is the colorist i'm the writer nina matsumoto is the artist uh, and hey, it is not too late to keep watching my wife's TV show, Why the Last Man, on Hulu in the States, Disney Plus in Europe, and on FX Now in Canada. And I think that's it. Is there anything else you want to plug? Just one more thing I want to say, because we kind of glossed over at the beginning of the show, but I sure. really want to thank Chris Roberts for uh, the yes. updated version of uh, When a Dragon Flies with a video with... Uh, Talking about, speaking of my title cards, speaking of title cards, uh, Chris was kind enough to to do a sort of a montage of title cards with his uh, with his song playing. It's very nice. So, uh, where can people see see that? So, if they go to the website sneakydragon.com, there's there's a link there, or they can go to uh, Chris's YouTube channel, which I think is just Chris Roberts is the name of the channel, and you can go there and you should subscribe because then you any other things he does, then you can see them. Bing bang boom, just like that, everybody. So. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everyone. Oh, 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 o
Count Snackula.